The Locked and Loaded Latinos podcast is part of the Self-Defense Radio Network. All your pro-freedom podcasts in one place. You can find the Self-Defense Radio Network at sdrn.us. Some of the great shows that you'll see there are the Polite Society podcast, Self-Defense Gun Stories, Gun Freedom Radio, Riding Shotgun with Charlie, and many, many others. Thank you so much for being a listener, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. This is Rolo the Puerto Rican Pistolero, and welcome to the 15th episode of the Locked and Loaded Latinos podcast. I am joined, as I am every week, by the lovely, the beautiful, mi amor, mi pasión, <laughs> uh, Latina Locked and Loaded, uh, Johanna, my wonderful wife. And joining us today is Edgar Antillon of Guns for Everyone. Thank you uh, for joining us this evening. Let me know if the audio is good. I know that we sometimes have issues with guests. So stay on top of me today, chat. How is it going, everyone? Hello. And uh, and welcome. All right. All right. So uh, in true interview style, for the people out there who don't know who you are, that have been living under a rock, Edgar, tell me a little bit about um, what you do and who you are. Um, I run uh, the largest handgun training company in the state of Colorado. It's called Guns for Everyone, Guns for Everyone. Um, which started back in 2010. We've been at it for, for 10 years. And we started off uh, as a joke, really. We started off on YouTube. We, we started doing like parody type videos. And um, in the early days of, of that, um, I call it the early days. I don't know if that was really the early days of YouTube. Um, for us, it definitely was. Uh, we would like to make fun of the, the, the quote-unquote gun experts and, and the fuddery and, and all that stuff. So we started making parody-type videos, and then things shifted politically here in the state of Colorado, which was kind of a little blindsiding for, for natives. And then we, we took it a, a step further. We became a, an activist organization. Um, not a true nonprofit, but, but definitely an activist organization. Um, and it kind of just exploded from there. We started doing free concealed carry classes in response to some of the bills that they were trying to pass and kind of just took off from there. And, and, and here we are 10 years later, 60,000 students later, 60,000, uh, 60,000. Yeah. So this year alone, as of last month, uh, we have already instructed 12,000 students. That's amazing. Yeah. I was going to say the last time. I heard you I say heard the numbers, you say the numbers probably, sometime, probably in sometime in 2019, and it was closer to 40,000. So this year was big. Despite COVID, you guys had a huge year as well. Correct. Yeah, I think the last I think time the last- that, that we were around 40-ish thousand was about last time, um, yeah, almost about a year ago. And then that, that final quarter in, in December, uh, we kind of crossed over in, into like the 45,000-ish and then with adding the, the 12,000. And again, these are all, um, I'll usually end up counting them towards the end of the year. But yeah, we're right around the 60,000 mark now. That's awesome. Uh, and these are all concealed, uh, these are all carry, concealed classes, carry classes, right? Yeah, I, yeah, only I only count carry concealed carry classes because uh, those are the ones. Those are the ones that more activism side of it. Our advanced, uh, our advanced classes that we don't really count. Those students. Those students. Those students. Um, so yeah, uh, if we so did, yeah, if we did the count advanced the advanced classes, it'd be a little bit more than that. Cool. 
So uh, I'm going to do a little bit throwback. I actually remember the first time that I saw you was actually at the two-way rally. And we were at the diner afterwards. And okay. I, I think you're going to agree with me. Um, you, you kind of have a little bit of a standoffish vibe. I, it's probably <laughs> on, totally on, totally not intentional. Totally not intentional. I was dying to come dying over. To come I, over. I, heard I, you, I heard about I'd you. I'd seen some of your stuff, and I was like, I want to go say hi to the other. Yeah. I won't say what I said, uh, but the other Hispanic. I used the yeah. politically incorrect term. And uh, I was very excited to meet you. And then uh, I think you were sitting with Maj. No, I don't think you were sitting with Maj. I, I think you were going around the room. I don't know if you were or not. But every time I looked up, Edward's in a different place. And I was just dying to say hello. And I'm kind of shy. So Rolando was just like, just go say hi. He's just a normal yeah. person. So <laughs> I finally got to say hi to you at SHOT Show January. in January. And uh, I don't know what I said, but I was something like, I love what you do, and I'm a big fan of what you do. I think I said I'm a big fan of what you do. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, no, yeah, you're, no, 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 you're a big soft I am. I think a lot of it is just I, I'm shy myself. Mm-hmm. People don't realize that I'm, I'm really an introvert. Um, those settings actually overwhelm me. So a lot of the times you, you don't see stand like you're not seeing anger or standoffish or mean, and you're, you're seeing an uh, an introvert that is really trying his best to be an extrovert um, and and trying to be lively and and, and and it's the trying that it's just like nah dude you're, you're doing quite exhausting. the opposite <laughs> yeah it really yeah, is it really is yeah. it really it is, is it really is exhausting to be in the crowd and it's uh and it's uh it's interesting to when you I've, I've shared on the show that I'm an introvert and um I mentioned it to and I was on with uh fireside chats with uh John Crump recently and i opened up about being an introvert and he would he wouldn't believe me he says yeah. there's no way you are yeah. and i'm like bro i am yeah. um so yeah i actually i feel you on shot show that was actually one of the most uh psychologically exhausting weeks for me <laughs> yeah i loved Absolutely. it i loved it <laughs> <laughs> yeah Joe knows, Joe knows how I can be. I'm, I'm like the introverted extrovert. So it's like, uh, I don't really want to go. But then when you throw me in there, I'm like, okay, I'm in here. I'm, I'm good to go. So if, if you insist, that's kind of how I am. Uh, I can do that. So how did, how did you first get into firearms? I know everybody's origin story with guns is always different. So did you start off, were they in the family? Did you discover it yourself? Was it uh, somebody else that got you into it? How did that progression go along? Yeah, no, definitely not in the family. Growing up Mexican, it's definitely not in the family. Growing up Mexican, it's really more of a taboo uh, to own guns. So it was really on my own. Um, it was one of those phases in life where I, I thought I wanted to go into the law enforcement uh, side of it and then went into the, the private sector of, of all of that stuff and got some really good training, and, and, and that's where I met Isaac. Um, got some decent training and then I started, I was a, a politician, I ran for office and learning how to pew pew and, and, and shoot and, and being involved in politics, uh, I was never really enthused to this day. I'm not a, a gun enthusiast. I'm not this guy that, that's all, oh, check out the, the latest gun. But what intrigued me most was just how... This is the one tool, this is the one thing that gives everybody freedom. Um, whether it be freedom from bad guys or freedom from the government, this is the one tool. And that's really what intrigued me the most. So 
that's kind of how I plugged in. And then Isaac was there. He was get kind of in the beginning stages of his gun uh, career, if you will, as well. So we kind of connected on that, and then we we created guns for everyone, and that's where we're at. So it was very anticlimactic the way I, I came into guns. Um, no real scare, no real anything. I mean, I grew up in the hood where I probably should have carried a gun, but it, it like just never intrigued me until I got older and had kids and um, wanted a freedom tool. So you mentioned, well, you mentioned uh, you're, uh, you're Mexican descent. Mexican descent. Um, um, yeah. Your parents, your parents, immigrants yeah. from Mexico. Yeah. First generation. Yeah. First generation. You are. I'm first you are. Generation. First generation. Yeah, my parents came here illegally in the eighties, mm -hmm. and then and Ronald they, Reagan gave them amnesty. They still had to go back to Mexico for a year, so I got to live in Juarez for for a year when I was a little kid. Um, but yeah, they came here illegally in the eighties. Cool. And and I am I am too. And funny yeah. enough, my, funny enough, my mom my mom came over illegally. She got um, she did her papers, and they actually sent her to Mexico too. So technically, I was in Mexico <laughs> at one point because I was she I was in her womb. Yeah. So I was in Mexico for a little by uh, a little yeah. while. So yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool. So that's pretty we share cool. that. We share and, that. Uh, and uh, I heard, you, I heard that. you mentioned that guns were taboo. So I have a hard time with this because I'm trying to figure out. Like, what's up with Hispanics? Um, because tendency-wise, I want to say they come to the U.S. the Democrats, but I want to say culture-wise, their culture lines up with more conservative viewpoints. At least I think. Uh, but they refuse to believe that, and then they're pretty anti-gun. And I don't know if it's because my parents were from the rural part. My mom's from Colombia. My dad's Dominican. Um, my grandfather was actually a gunsmith and he taught, he made my mom's first rifle. She shot, um, when she was a kid, she was really good at it. She even shot and on then, horseback, didn't she? Yeah. My mom was a total G. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then she comes, so then she comes to the States and then it's like all of a sudden guns are bad. And I'm like hearing this, you know, I'm like, wait, I mean, it makes sense to me because Colombia, you come from the land of cartels in the FARC. So I understand why guns are you know, seen as, as scary and bad. Um, but is, do you feel like that's true because of Mexico and the cartels and the narcs and everything? Do you feel like that's where that stems from and elsewhere? I, I think I, I definitely a, a place where where it, it does start is um, I, I had somebody on, on a show. He's from Mexico and he talks about how they, they, in Mexico you do have a quasi Second Amendment but nobody utilizes it. Nobody really takes advantage of it. I think a lot of it is because of that. Also, for whatever weird reason, and I think it's it's how religious our cultures are. Um, we are very uh, we could be subjected to oppression really easy. Mm -hmm. um, and I think once the government says something, it's just like oh, that's just the government says. I mentioned this in the class today. Because I'm looking around, and, and I've noticed this in my classes. That we usually get about 60 students per class. Um, and I look around, and when I tell people, hey, with the mask wearing, like, you do what you want. You're an adult. I, I'm not a doctor. I, I, I can't tell you whether it's good or bad for you. you. You make your own decisions. And nine out of ten times, all the white people take it off, and all the brown people keep it black and Mexican. Um, and all the, the sub-Mexicans beneath that, like, like they, they keep that shit on. And that's one of the things I mentioned today. Like I actually verbalize it. Like it's kind of sad 
that all the white people take it off because you, you guys hate oppression and, and you guys are usually doing the oppression, the oppressing. Uh, but and it's sad to see that all the brown people are just like so easily oppressed. Like it's almost like we want to be oppressed. So I think a lot of it has to do with that as well. It's just I don't know what our loyalty is to that oppression, but it just feels like we, we just want somebody to tell us what to do. We're not like even here in politics, like we're, we're the largest minority in the entire United States. But if you look at representation on all levels, it's just it, it's almost non-existent. We have Ted Cruz and, and, and you're, you guys have Rubio and like that's really about it. Mm -hmm. um, other than that, you really don't see much more than that. So. I think a lot of it has to do with that is just how easily manipulated we are by government. Um, but it's a complex conversation. It's a very interesting one as well. Yeah. I, I've always, I've always thought if, if we get deep into this, I, I've always been trying to figure out what it is culturally. I think it's two big things. And I think it's that obviously the way that South America and Central America came to be is very different than the United States. The United States was literally like, this is where all the religious, uh, uh, religiously oppressed people escaped to from Great Britain because of what was going on over there. So uh, South America is totally different. It was all about Spanish conquest. So obviously, hey, the conquistadors went there for the crown. They took over everything. And basically anybody that got in their way, it was conversion or bust. Whereas in the United States, it was a little bit more kind of free form and they became the colonies. And obviously we have our own history when we became a country, but our, our, I think our history was initially always about separation from Britain, even though we were colonies, you know, the US uh, were colonies, but they were originally established by people trying to basically get out of there. Whereas South America's always had that tie to the crown in Spain. So it's, it's almost like they didn't, we never really, uh, Spanish people didn't in the colonies, I guess, in colonial South America and Central America never really broke away from Spain the way that Americans broke away from uh, Great Britain. Yeah, exactly. We're used to the big man on top. Yeah. And, and I think the church also is another big factor, the Catholic Church and obviously the history that the Catholic Church has with uh, with Spain and all of that. And it, it, they kind of. Culture anyway, the Mexicans are super duper into that religion and once they yeah. get it catholic or not it, it like my mom's a jehovah witness she 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 tried to brainwash me into that shit and um i wasn't having it and it was just it's hardcore man like she she's like deep into the the jehovah witness stuff um and i think unfortunately that has a little bit to do with it as well it's just um we just for whatever weird reason, we just, whatever the government says, that's just what we do. Because then, like you mentioned, it's just, you die if you don't, I guess. Yeah. Roll, are you seeing the audio issues? Yeah, I know. I'm trying to go back and forth manually. <laughs> so that's, I'm playing shuffle to try not to get an echo. So, um, Edgar, you mentioned uh, the Mexican Constitution has kind of a Second Amendment. Uh, I know it's Article 10. Can you tell me a little bit about how that differs from the Second Amendment? So the, the big, big, big difference you actually, you actually read it, read it, is it unfortunately allows for local gover governments to, to control it. Mm -hmm. And then there was a, a big national push. Um, and again, I'm only going off of what this individual has told me. His, uh, he runs a company called Ludus PMC uh, down in Mexico. 
and um, there was uh, basically a control, a centralization of, of arms uh, for Mexico. So there's only one gun store in Mexico. You have to go to the military and buy the firearms there. You're you're not allowed any caliber that the military has. So you're you're pretty much on the handgun side. You're pretty much limited for 380, uh, 38 special, that that type of stuff. That's why Mexicans like, super duper love their 38 supers. 38 uh, super is awesome. Oh though. my god, <laughs> 38 super is badass. Yeah, <laughs> they love their 38 supers, and um, so we uh, you can't have guns, you can't have them for self defense, not so much on a concealed carry basis, but definitely for the house. Obviously, hunting is, is a big thing. Uh, ironically enough, he was telling me that SBRs don't require like any special licensing and stuff, you're just kind of limited on on uh, munition uh, on what caliber you can have but other than that it, it's it, other than the heavy restrictions um it, it's it's kind of not that far off to what we have right now if we consider the nfa um if we consider our our local government local restrictions it, it's it, it's a few more restrictions than than the u.s um which is scary because it's only a few more restrictions in the U.S. and it's like ta-da, it's basically the same. Mm-hmm. That's all it takes. Well, yeah. in in a way, it almost seems it, it is kind of like the U.S. since we do allow the states to at least right now regulate way more than they probably should be able. To. Well, m- way more than they should be able to for sure. I think the difference yeah. is it's it's written in their constitution and it's not well, written in our it. constitution. Exactly. Correct. So we just kind of let them get away Correct. with it, whereas they're allowed to get away with it. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, yes, and that's yes, kind of how that's kind of how it works, how works in, its, in its simplest form. Okay. Um. So you're in what state right now? Colorado. Okay. So, um, people don't know this about the U.S., but we tend to have different flavors of Hispanics. We're not all Mexican. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> and different regions of the U.S. have different kind of styles or mixtures of them. Um, I'm originally a New Yorker. And I felt like growing up there, it was completely different from the Hispanic culture that we have down in South Florida. I actually had culture shock. I remember uh, my parents uh, sold the house in New York when my brother uh, got into medical school down here in, in South Florida. My sister moved down here too. So I was the last one in New York and she was pretty much like, well, we're moving, so you can come with us. And I remember I pretty much just showed up for my first day of class at, at, in, you know, my university down here in Miami. And it was just like culture shock. I remember I went back to my dorm and I cried. I'm like, I don't understand the Spanish that they're talking. You know, I don't understand the the terms. So I grew up, I think in New York, there was definitely much more Central American um, people. There was definitely, it was definitely some Dominicans. Obviously I knew my family in New York City. Um, what about us? There had to was, be like 10 million Puerto Ricans everywhere, like falling out of the There were. There <laughs> were. But it was a different flavor. It was mm-hmm. a completely different flavor. It's predominantly Caribbean Spanish down here. Now we have a lot of Venezuelan and Colombians too. But back then it was at least where I was going to school, it was predominantly Cuban. Um, and it was interesting, the difference in his, like in the Latin culture in her region so new york it was more traditional i'd say mexican uh i grew up watching a lot of mexican soap operas the mexican news stuff like that everything on the news was about mexico um 
And I felt like it was definitely, well, might, might because it's New York, but it was definitely more along the lines of what you would traditionally hear about Latinos being Democrats and being anti-gun. Um, and there was nobody I knew that was into guns, obviously. Moved down to Florida, it's a really different mixture that I think is unique. I don't know how Colorado is, um, but like I said, it's mostly Cubans and, and expat Venezuelans. So you have this really weird mix of you're Hispanic, but you're now at least I see a huge surge in like conservatism coming back. Right. Um, do you see that weird, you know, ness no, of Colorado has been on, on the on the Hispanic side has been more Mexican. Uh-huh. As of late, there's a lot of Puerto Ricans moving here. Cubans yeah. are, are are kind of doing it, but it just mostly since we're so far oh, away from stuff. all that stuff. Um, Colorado, it's funny. It's it's pretty white. Like it, it, it's it's pretty white. Even the even the the Mexicans that that came here when my parents came here from northern Mexican, which which uh, a lot of heavily German influence and stuff like that. So. Um, it's, that's really what you see in Colorado, much more Mexicans than you do anything else. Um, but geography kind of dictates that because we're 12 hours away from El Paso and and Juarez, um, versus Cuba, um, or, or Puerto Rico or, uh, all that stuff. But we are seeing a lot of, uh, New York Puerto Ricans coming into Colorado. Hmm, Really? Um, Yeah. A, a lot of Puerto Ricans coming in, um, so no, not really, not not that diverse. Like it, it just, I, I never had that. Um, I do see it like when I went to Florida when we were in in uh, Orlando. Like it's it's just different, um, and I we were always aware of, of how different dialects were and, and languages were, just because we had family that was from Mexico City, and when we tried talking, like what the are you saying like, I don't know, <laughs> my, my cousin's saying we're, we're both speaking mexican spanish but it's it's two completely different mexican spanish um so and it's not like in the u.s that's what's weird because a lot of people are like oh i say pop and i say soda like yeah everybody understands that mm-hmm. like we're talking about if i say say chafa in, in spanish you, you can talk to somebody from colombia and they're like i don't know what the fuck you mean by saying that at all um that's just an example um, yeah, I have no idea what that is. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, just cheap. Like that, that's our way chaffa. of saying cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, chaffa. Yin chaffa. Um, so it, it's it's weird. So like in in Mexico, you can have two completely different worlds. And obviously, because southern Mexico is heavily Mayan and, and mm-hmm. Aztec, and in the northern part, you have Tarumaras and uh, other uh, Indians. Um, so you pick up words from there. Uh, cultures, and it just, it's different. So no, but in Colorado itself, it, it's pretty boring. It's pretty, pretty boring. Very white and very Mexican. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, Danny Borrero in the chat. He's saying that his family's leaving Jersey and headed to Colorado. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Get getting out of Dodge. Getting out of Dodge. Um, you might want to detour to Wyoming. Wyoming's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> That's what I, uh, I'm sure your family's. I'm sure your family's amazing, uh, but Colorado is like full, man. We're we're we're, we're super full. I've, I've been telling Joe that that's where we gotta go. It's like South Dakota or Wyoming or something like that. Yeah, Colorado's full. Like we're 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 matched out, man. 
But uh, do you think that that's kind of the biggest barrier? Because obviously, I mean, you look around us right now, especially the people that we've interacted with, that it seems like the, the, the black gun movement or the black Second Amendment movement is kind of having a renaissance or they have a lot of really big time, um, a lot of influential voices that are really growing right now. I mean, yeah. uh, just guys that we hang out with all the time between like KD, Argo J, Coleone. Uh, guys like that are really Maj, obviously. Maj. Yeah, how could I forget? Uh, our, Tony. Yeah. Tony. Yeah, Tony. Uh, sorry, Tony. <laughs> Everybody. So see, you can just the list never ends. That's the thing. We've got Hank. We've got uh, all these guys. So black man with the gun. What's his name? Kevin. Yep. Ken Blanchard. Ken Blanchard. Ken Blanchard. So see yeah. again, the, the list doesn't end. But on his on the Hispanic side, we've got. I, I guess maybe Gabby. Us three. We're Gabby. here. <laughs> well, yeah. On YouTube, I guess it's us three. And then we have Gabby as the professional over there. Correct. So yeah. do you think that part of it, uh, what, what do you think that causes that, that we're, we're not as, we're a little bit more isolated? Is it just the conversation that we had that as Hispanics, we're obviously black people in America, they may not have, they may not have a, a shared history because you may have a immigrants from Africa or other countries or down here. We have a lot of Haitians and Jamaicans. Well, so, well forced so. immigrants. I think that's the big exactly. difference. So uh, what do you think kind of like keeps the Hispanic community? Do we have beef against each other? Like what is it that keeps us from kind of uniting on this or, or have we just not figured this out yet? I think we're just too, uh, I had this conversation with Gabby when, when she was, when we were talking and one of the things that, that she had um, kind of mentioned is is that we were we're active, uh, we're there, but we're just not very plugged in. Mm -hmm. Like we don't want to go, we don't want to show up to, to the events, we don't want to do any of that stuff. So um, like we're there, but all at the same time, it's just it's not there. And a lot of it has to do with our families had to hide. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. I know definitely true for for my family when they came here illegally. I mean, you have to hide and you don't want to be seen and you have to go and to one particular spot and and go from house to house and that that type of stuff. So I think a lot of it has to do with that that again that oppression is just we, we kind of self oppress yeah um, based off of our history and then we come into a new country that doesn't necessarily like us. Mm -hmm. um, I know it's true for me. Um, I'm not. I, if most people that already know me already know this about me. Like I'm an anarchist, mm -hmm. but I still see it when I go to certain functions, and I and I know this has a lot to do with it as well, uh, because if it affects me, somebody who who politically speaking doesn't care. But I see when I go to certain rallies or, or certain gun shows or certain whatever, and I see stuff that's not gun related that says build a wall and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. For me, as a Mexican, it's just like, hey, they're, they're, they're talking about my parents. Yeah. Like, they're talking about my mom and my dad. They're, they're saying they don't want my mom and my dad here, so why would I want to associate with a group of individuals that don't want my parents here? And there's even people that talk about, like, oh, we, we should get rid of... It's ironic that you're, you're talking about the 14th Amendment uh, mm -hmm. today because it's, it's kind of what guarantees me being born here, if I'm not mistaken. Um even though my parents were, came here illegally, I was still born here. I'm the anchor baby. And there's still a lot of people within the gun community who are very vocal about, oh, get rid of anchor babies and, and stuff like that. So when I hear stuff like that, I'm just like, I'm just not going not gonna to hang out with you because if it was up to you, I'd be gone. I'd be back in Mexico. It makes sense. Even though I was never in Mexico. Um, mm -hmm. 
never grew up there. So I think that has a little bit to do with it, but I think a lot of it is self-inflicting. Yeah. Um, I think, unfortunately, there's been a very vocal part of our communities, even outside of the gun community, who is all about creating a victim out of people that are not victims. Yeah. Because um, the victim mentality is amazing, man. Like, I, I used to fall into that. Like, oh, it's just so amazing to say I'm a victim because then everybody feels sorry for you. And then everybody pats you on the back and rubs your belly and they're like, oh, poor little victim. And you don't have to but take responsibility some, for anything either. Correct. Yeah. At some point, that gets shit old. That shit gets very, very, very old. But I think we're kind of still in that phase as well. So again, it's a very complex thing of a lot of things that are kind of clumped in together. Because mm -hmm. we are, I, I've seen it. Ever since I started becoming vocal about uh, this topic, uh, Hispanics, Mexicans, Latinos, whatever, we're, we're categorizing ourselves as um, not being involved, I started seeing a lot of little pockets of, of just individuals mm -hmm. take their family out or their friends out to go shooting. And it's a lot of them. Oh, and yeah. in the back of my head, I was like, if you were to just be become vocal, like we could be very, very powerful and all this stuff. But it's just like, no, I'm just going to do it with my family on the weekend and then never talk about it again. Well, it's kind of like um, I know Joe and I have discussed this a lot, and it's actually kind of an inversion of, of what you said, that you, you're not like a gun enthusiast, but you're a 2A enthusiast. And I think most people are the opposite, where they're gun enthusiasts, but they're not 2A enthusiasts. Obviously, outside of the social media where we are because within social media and YouTube and whatever, whatever it is that we do here, advocacy, we're a minority within a minority. So we're the minority of gun owners that actually try to advocate for our rights. And there's something like 160 million gun owners. The NRA only has like 5 million members. So they don't even represent, uh, they only represent a small percentage of gun owners too. So I think that that's, that that's part of the thing sometimes that we, uh, get caught in, caught in our own bubble and we forget what's outside right. of it yeah yeah absolutely mm -hmm. so uh clever attack in the chat says agree with edgar the 2a movement needs to stay away from partisan politic issues 2a stays 2a nothing more nothing less i totally agree with that um it just becomes really hard because yeah. the, you know we've said this before the second amendment shouldn't be a, a, a partisan issue it's ridiculous that it is it's mm -hmm. a constitutional right it's right at the top right after the first one clearly it was important to the founders and um, it's ridiculous that we end up having to play politics with this and makes people, you know, put people in a certain position where it's like, well, what if you believe in your Second Amendment, but you don't want to vote for the guy who's uh, talking about immigration issues? So correct. it's interesting. Yeah, um, no, very, very interesting. It's um, kind of one, one of the things that I'm, I try my best to be super careful with on Guns for Everyone and all of our pages is there's a lot of stuff politically that I want to talk about. I want to talk about immigration, but I'm not going to jump on guns for everyone. Be like, oh no, this is what I believe in, because it's not an immigration page. Um, or we have a lot of people who are on the pro-choice, pro-life want to say stuff. Mm -hmm. But we have a group here in the state of Colorado um, who is is the basically it, it's our lobbying group here in the state of Colorado and. If they would just do that, just stick to 2A, they'd probably be a really good organization. But they take your money and then they start like spending money on anti-gay stuff and anti-abortion stuff. And, and regardless of where you're at on that stuff, like I, I gave you money to support the 2A, not to go attack another group that has nothing to do with guns in any way, shape, or form. Um, 
which which it, it hurts like it, it really hurts the movement overall um i think i mentioned it down here we have i was actually surprised i mentioned this last time i tend to, to be conservative now i grew up a democrat i'm definitely a legsit person yeah. um but i'm i'm definitely i want to say i'm politically homeless i'm not you know 100 <laughs> percent uh tied to you know a party i i before um i would say i'm a libertarian with a small l that's probably closer to what i i yeah. kind of you know I'll, I'll say a constitutionalist that's what i'll say yeah i'm closest yeah. to um, but it is, is weird being, you know, politically homeless, but I guess right now, uh, with all things considered, I tend to, to, you know, go towards more conservative right now. I think that's what's beneficial for the current election. Um, I mentioned it last time, surprisingly down here in Florida, we had last weekend, a rally that had 30,000 people show up, Crazy. all Hispanics, yeah. all conservative Hispanics. Um, now we don't have. 30,000 Hispanics that are into the Second Amendment. Correct. So um, I know Legsit's having its moment. Blexit's having its moment. Um, it's being much more successful, tr successfully translated uh, with Blexit and the Second Amendment um, in the African-American community. Do you think there's anything to be done to kind of convert some of those conservative Hispanics into gun people? Uh, other than us just being open to it, uh, like... That I've, I've tried like I can only go off of my experiences and I'm, I'm constantly on Univision Telemundo and, and trying to get the message out here locally and nationally um, I do a lot of stuff in, in Miami and Orlando as well and it just never translates it just doesn't translate like I could do a story for English media here locally and I can see the increase almost instantly um, in, in the social media but if I do it with the Hispanics, like it just doesn't translate the same. So I don't know. I, I, it's tough. I do know. Um, I had this conversation with with Rhonda Mary because I asked her the same thing. It's just like, well, what's up? And she said, oh, your guys' time is coming. Like, I don't want my time to come. I want this. Um, but the idea is, is that America historically has only had room for one minority at a time. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really hard to get people motivated when we're not being acknowledged it as a whole right now mm -hmm. um so if you talk about just at all levels not just guns we're just not being acknowledged it's really hard to be enthusiastic to be include to be involved in something that that doesn't see you as as human at the moment because again you, you see the black community they're growing and i, I talk to maj about this all the time it's like hey, it's, it's kind of like i'm kind of jealous about that shit. um and I don't want it to switch, though. Like, that, that's the kind of the hard thing is, is I don't want it to switch. I don't want to be the next minority. I, I want that shit to, like, if if everybody everywhere talks about, like, oh, this is for everyone and this is equal and all that shit, then I think we all share a responsibility to be like, hey, it's not just us. Like, we got Mexican homies and we got Asian homies that, that got guns and, and we've got uh, Native American homies that have got guns and, and we need to bring them all together. But... America historically, and um, I think the Democrats have a lot to blame about this, is they pick and choose who the, the it minority is, mm -hmm. and then that's it. That's how we're going to focus on all of our attention, media. Uh, so everything on the news right now is black. Everything on, on, on movies is black. Like, everything is black, 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 black. And then you get Mexicans who's like, what the fuck? Like, what, what about us, motherfucker? Like, well, we're cooking your food. Like, we're, we're 
and, like and, we're doing all that. Change. And it's yeah. funny that you say that and how the Democratic Party is, because I think I saw recently how how quickly it was that I think after the first presidential debate, I think Telemundo or Univision had a debate, uh, had a, a poll and like 70, 67 percent or something of of Latinos said that they thought the Trump won. So as soon as that went on Twitter, you could see all the people on the left. Oh, well, uh, it's because Hispanics come from oppressed leftist countries or whatever. And I was like, immediately they start throwing Hispanics under the bus. Yeah. I was like, oh, I see. Uh, how. Yeah. So I, I always knew how the game was played, obviously. Correct. But yeah. now actually seeing it in real time, how quickly they'll be yeah. like, oh, well, you guys aren't voting for us or you're not uh, carrying our water. Now we'll throw you under the bus right away. And I was yeah. like. I know that this is how it is, but it was just Correct. crazy for other people to see it for the first time. They're like, wait a second. What the heck? Like, yeah. I thought we were cool. And it's like, no, no, no. You're only cool with them if you vote for them. That's the way that it works right. with them. Like, And so, I got to credit Rhonda Mary for, like, bringing that to my attention. Because, oh, again, yeah. that's the conversation where it's at. She's like, no, it's, it's the Democrats usually the ones that pick the minority. That's the it minority. Mm -hmm. And then they highlight it. Yeah. And then fucking forget everybody else who, who's around. And then the Republicans just mirror that. That's kind of the, the Well, they're always playing catch-up. The, the Republicans Correct. never always. think of anything themselves, yeah. Always. I have noticed they're, they're them paying a little bit more attention to us. Uh, as the election gets closer, I've been seeing more targeted ads. And uh, I, we talked about this a few episodes ago with this ad that really pissed me off. They use soccer as <laughs> mirrored with the riots. And I was like, I, I remember just sitting there watching this and thinking, what the F because I'm supposed to be okay with riots or want to join in with riots because I like soccer. Yeah. It's like Bro. in South American countries. Yeah. When you guys win like the world cup, you guys turn over cars. So this is the same thing, but we're doing it for like a political cause. And it was like, what are you serious? Yeah. So, yeah. 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 No, it, it, it it's crazy. Um, it, it's, it's definitely bonkers how, how we see that stuff. And I'm kind of scanning through the, the chat as best as I can, and and yeah, you do want to get past the 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 whole race conversation, but it's it's all at the same time like really hard to ignore. Well, I know that's something that you and I I I've seen you like kind of struggle with it. Like I just want to be yeah. guns for everyone. I don't want to be. Correct. I'm the Mexican guy that that is into gun training, and I've always Rolo told Joe. A, Rolo has a no. I have a huge issue with this. I've actually <coughs> talked to him well before we yeah. were in um <coughs> stuff that. I mean, I've gone on rants about, you know, on forms, why do I have to choose if I'm white or black? I'm a mulatto. Like, I've got, I'm mm -hmm. Dominican. I've got Taino. I've got Tyrona. Like, I've got all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. Why do I have to choose what I am? Can I just put Hispanic? Like, so to me, it's like identity politics, even as simple as filling in a form, has pissed me off for years. So I think it's really funny that when I finally had to go into advocacy, the platform that I chose to stand on was Hispanics. Um, but the problem is I also see the need for that because I don't know if you've, you've seen this Edgar, I'm sure you have. It's like, I, I started to get stuff like somebody from some other city, a female sends me a text, a DM or whatever. Thank you so much for being a voice for someone that looks like right. me. I mean, like, as cheesy as that sounds, right. it's like it really does help people. Mm -hmm. It does. Yeah. So, again, because we're we're kind of the bridge. Yeah. Because uh, they just seen again that the all Mexicans need to go back and, and they're all a drain on society and, and all that stuff. They just seen that at a gun rally, probably. Yep. 
or they seen somebody comment that on on a gun page or whatever it is and they're like well fuck i don't want to be included with this and then here comes uh colombian and a puerto rican they're like no ta-da here we are motherfuckers like we got <laughs> guns too and it, it's a lot easier to be like oh i'm just gonna go hang out with them mm-hmm. uh, even though you don't make it about that stuff um it, it's nice to have representation at the table yeah and a lot of people are like oh just make your own table like just bring your own to it like no because then that's where the division starts is like i don't want to be divided i want to get to the point where we're all just eating and, and we're just all hanging out well, but I a think, lot of it is just the gatekeeping that that really fucking sucks um, i think that's a really really good point you just made right there because <clears throat> i think that a lot of people think that because you say minority thing um there there is a different table bedding set and i think some people get confused by that um, and I have seen this in the communities, in the minority communities, where they are trying to make a different table. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's the goal. I think the goal is yeah. representation to show there is a diversity. We're not, not all a bunch of older white males. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that we have to be separated from that, that we have to have our own separate thing. That's segregation all over again. We don't want right. that. Correct. Well, I think the gun community is kind of unique because I've seen... Like, what have I gotten involved in the past that's kind of like a community? Cars. Cars is another big one that kind of overlaps with guns because it's typically like a masculine kind of hobby or or something like that. But I think guns are unique because unlike cars, cars, owning a car is a privilege. Obviously, it's not like a right. Uh, It's it's something that you kind of get into as a hobby. It's it's a device that's not necessarily necessary or anything that has uh, a constitutional amendment involved. So guns, you kind of have this weird intersection between rights and things that are cool because a lot of people like guns because they're fun and they're cool. So you end up with all these different niches and in the car community, you'd end up with that. Like, Oh, this dude's like all about Hondas. Like you're a piece of crap because you like Honda or Ford versus Chevy. Like, Oh, you're, you're into Chevy's like you suck. I hate you. And in the gun community, we get that's a true. That's a true statement, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I know. Good <laughs> statement. Chevy sucks. <laughs> I drive a Ford. I drive a Mustang just for everyone out there. But Joe, Joe, Joe does have a Chevy. She drives a Chevy. Oh, so we, we have a house divided. <laughs> technically, technically, my car is Korean, though. Yeah. I just want to say it. it's a rebranded Chevy. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, so I feel like in the gun community, we get the stupid. Uh, uh, high school crap like that where it's like well i don't like glocks glocks are pieces of crap and only fudge shoot 1911s on top of the well i'm second amendment but versus the abs- second amendment absolutist so it's like we almost right. have it two different ways like it's not only brand loyalty it's how committed you are to the cause and i think right. that that sometimes makes second amendment advocacy harder and sometimes more annoying because it's like Dude, like, I'm trying to have a serious conversation here. Like, I don't give a crap whether you shoot a Glock or you like 1911s or you're pissed off at Springfield. I'm here for the Second Amendment. Like, guns are cool. Like, I love them. I I do, too. I've got guns everywhere. Like, I love to shoot them. They're a lot of fun. I love building ARs. It's awesome. But let's get past, like, this juvenile crap and let's deal with the issues. You know? Correct. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I signed on outside of, uh, of Pink is helping out mm-hmm. with the 2A rally. That's mostly one of the reasons why I signed up for it last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of these where it tried to kind of get everybody. I, I probably was was on the absolutist side. I was probably the only one that there that's just like, I'm fucking an absolute 2A guy. Um, so I was speaking for that crowd. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that rally, um, one of the great things about it is it, it kind of tries to include everybody in it. Like, if you look at the lineup this year, is probably a lot of people that, if you really sat down and talked about the 2A and laws and all that stuff, a lot of people would disagree about mm-hmm. a bunch of shit. Um, but again, we, we get to this point where it's just like, okay, we're just trying to figure this out. We're trying to talk and we're trying to have communication. We're trying to get more people into the 2A. We can figure the rest and nitpick later on. Like, like we can do that shit. Like right now, we're not in a position in the two A community to to nitpick all that much. Like we want as many people on our side as as possible at, at this very moment. Yeah. Um, do I agree with with the fuddery? Absolutely not. But we could talk about why you're wrong later on. Um, we could talk about why the two A needs more absolutist instead of or purist mm-hmm. instead of the the kind of quasi in there we could talk about that shit later why i'm right and you're wrong <laughs> a lot later um and the the two-way rally kind of does that it like it facilitates a whole spectrum of of, of views of uh, upbringings income like it, it just kind of all over the place um because i usually don't do rallies i think rallies are typically a waste of time mm-hmm. um but when it comes to like showing numbers it, it's it's a it's a really good thing yeah um but yeah absolutely like it just we're kind of all all over the place having our own little infights um and, and it just ultimately doesn't help the the cause in any way shape or form well and and i kind of always point to that we we get a lot of people that kind of come in new and i mean we're kind of new to the we're not necessarily new to the gun ownership but obviously new to advocacy yeah and so it kind of gives us a different perspective of coming in as outsiders we're we're the kind of people that i came into guns my dad was in the military but he was he was in the navy he wasn't into guns he wasn't against them but it was just they were never there so it was just kind of a thing that didn't exist so my experience with guns comes from my my friends that were older than i was that joined the military either the army and the marine corps and obviously fought in iraq and afghanistan so they came back and they're like let me teach you about guns and so they took me out to the range and i got to shoot pretty much everything ak's ars benelli shotguns and all that good stuff and they're the ones that got me into it so everybody's got a different background and uh it's just that's the thing about the community sometimes that i think people are too quick that oh you just bought a glock for is your first gun well now you have to be totally into repealing the nfa and it's like whoa whoa dude i probably (laughs) barely even knew that i could get this gun and i had to even get a background check because the news for years was telling me that i didn't even need a background check to buy a gun so now i just figured out wow it took me like a few days to get this gun. I thought I could just go to Walmart and pick it up right away. Correct. And you yeah. want me to like start debating a law from like 1934 that has to do with short barreled weapons and machine guns. I don't even Correct. know what that stuff is. I don't even know what that Correct. is yet. So yeah. I think we have to take, I think it was actually John Hickok's son that came out with a really good post talking about the you, NFL. You mean, you mean John Hickok? Yeah. John Hickok. Yeah. <laughs> John Hickok, the younger so uh that that came out and said you know he 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 had a post and it was actually really prescient it's like look i get it we all want the nfa repealed but we have to work one step at a time because they've kind of taken these things away from us one step at a time right so it's audacious for us to think that it's taken them 
80 years to get us to this point that we think that we can overturn it and like right away. It's absurd. Yeah. It's actually arrogant in a way to think that we could do such a thing. And, and they have the infrastructure that we don't. They get hundreds of millions of dollars every year to fight. We don't even have that yet. So we have to start building that uh, that infrastructure. And I agree. So that, we can't even agree on a rally. I remember yeah. last year when we were trying to do the rally, everybody was just like, oh, I'm going to show up with guns. And people were like, no, don't show up with guns. Yeah. And it's like, let's just fucking do this shit. And then yep. we'll figure the rest out later. Because most of the people are like, oh, I'm going to show up with guns. Like, you're just a fucking keyboard commander. You won't show up. Yeah. Which, by the way, I agree with. Of course, yeah. Like I'm, I, I'm actually one of the people that's probably like, fuck yeah, let's show up with guns, and and if, if they want war, we'll, we'll fucking give them war. But the reality is, nine out of ten that that say that won't actually do that. Mm -hmm. So I'll be the only idiot there with the gun, ready to fucking fight an entire army, and that's why it doesn't work because we're not we're not there yet. We're not that organized. We're not. Uh, we, again, we can't even agree on whether we should have a fucking rally or not because everybody's like, no, it's on Tuesday and I don't like Tuesday. We should do it on Saturday and Saturday's much better. And somebody's like, no, nah, nobody's there on Saturdays and I got shit to do. Like, it, it just, yeah, and it's 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 really it's really difficult to move forward. And it's kind of been one of my my point of contentions with the 2a is just like i'm so like ready to like move on to the next step but everybody's like what is the next step like where do we move and here i am 10 years later like still in the same position if if anything we've lost ground since 10 years ago I think a lot of it has to do with. I, I think like, it, I think it's tough. I know, and I know G Webs is in the chat, and he thinks that he. I was about to bring yeah, that he, up. He disagrees that he thinks that we did a good job with the two A rally this year. I'm kind of in the middle, where. No, no, not not with the the two A rally. I'm talking about just in general the two A. Two A in general. Yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. No, the two A rally. I mean, I think the two A rally this year um, kind of benefited from the virtual thing because mm -hmm. you got a lot more speakers and. Um, I, I think it, it, no, no, that one's, that one's good. Um, I'm, I'm talking about the community the, at large. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm -hmm. No, and I kind of agree with that because we're in a weird, uh, a, we're, we're in a weird position because I think we're in both a renaissance for firearms. When, when you look at more people own firearms in the United States than ever there, I mean, you see the numbers that some of the YouTubers have and how they've influenced people and how they're yeah. open about it whereas i think even 15 years ago right after the uh, assault weapons ban ended that would have been unheard of so i think uh, on the one hand we we look back i think we just have more people that are aware so i think the more people that are aware there are more people to complain about well we've had these oppressive laws for like the past 70 years so I think we have more people that are around to complain about the fact that the NFA exists and things like that, and more people that are vocal about it. Whereas in 10 years ago, you kind of felt like looking around. I mean, there's a few guys on like forums like era15.com and places like that where yeah. we're being vocal, but we didn't have this cohesion. Whereas now I think there's actually a gun community now. It's just yeah. that the gun community hasn't figured out what it believes in as a whole. Like we don't have a platform as the gun community because a lot of people have gotten into guns from the recreational and not from the second amendment side. So I think well, it's I just want to say something kind of about that because it, I don't think, by the way, I agree that there is a lot of infighting. Uh, G web says he thinks that infighting helps in his opinion. Um, otherwise we sit around smiling and being so polite and quiet that nothing valid. happens. Yeah. 
Uh, however, I do want to say I've been privy to some of the infighting, and I think it's really childish. And it, as someone who very hesitantly came into this last year, I've, I know I've told the story a million times. Yeah. I didn't want to do this. I really yeah. didn't want to do this. I really wanted to stay on the sidelines, like most people stay on the sidelines, and just be like, yeah, you know, yeah. from the sidelines, not actually talking about it. Right. It's really hard to, especially if, if you live in a blue place, like we live in a blue place where all of your friends don't believe the things that you believe, it's very easy to just, you know, well, I'll quietly be, you know, uh, you know, you know, it's really hard to put yourself out there. Um, a lot of people send you crappy messages, whatever. So I'll be honest and say the infighting that I've seen early on as an advocate actually almost made me want to get out of advocacy. Correct. Absolutely. And I'm still seeing it. I'm still seeing it. And it's, it's disgusting. Um, some of it, and it needs to, it's immature and people need to get over themselves and just move on and just see the bigger picture. Well, and there is a difference between infighting Mm -hmm. and having a real conversation that gets heated. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I've been in rooms where the conversation is heated and nobody's mad at each other afterwards. Yeah. It just, we just really had a passionate conversation and yeah, we yelled mm-hmm. and yeah, we said, no, that's dumb. And no, and yeah, we did say, nah, that's a fucking retarded. We said all that shit. But at the end, it's just like, okay, cool. Like, where are we, what are we having for dinner now? Because mm-hmm. like, I wish it was had, like that. Yeah, because yeah, we had a passionate conversation about that stuff. Um, as opposed to like, hey, you're a fucking prick. I don't want to hang out with you anymore. I'm going to take you off of social media, and then uh, that that that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the, the the difference between what I I, I would say the end. When I'm talking about infighting, I'm talking about like it's just like fundamental it, disagreements. Yeah, cor- correct. No, yeah, but I, I, again, I think that's human nature. Um, I used to I talk about this. I used to be a, a animal rights activist. If you can believe yeah. that, Edgar. So. <laughs> That's the reason I got out of that, too, because people just people. I don't think humans there's always going to be tribalism. So I think there's always going to be a division between what people believe in and they have a hard time all believing in the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and you well, shouldn't and, want and, them to either. But yeah, of course. Correct. But if you're fighting and, and for that, and that's the thing is, I think that's why this country was created initially the way it was created is just a, a, a minimalist federal government with the 10th Amendment to allow every state to do whatever the fuck they wanted to kind of. Um, as long as they were all for, for the feds and shit like that, it was just very minimal control. And if you like socialism, you can go to Cali and and not a big deal. You can go be socialist in California. If you hated socialism, you you can go to Wyoming. Um, Colorado has always been purple. So Colorado is kind of the land of the, the independent hippies that, that just like, leave me alone. Uh, Um, that's, that's why I've always loved Colorado. It's turning blue more than, than anything, but Colorado historically has always just been purple it's just we're just going to see who the better person is and, and kind of go from there and at some point uh again you just want control and that, that's my biggest thing with politics and in guns and stuff like that at some point somebody just wants control mm-hmm. and i seen this early on in the in the training side of it on the training side it was just like oh you you, you were never in the military like you were never a cop you had this phase where, like, if you weren't in the military, you couldn't teach anybody how to use guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if you weren't a cop back in the 1920s and you didn't do the, the isosceles stand and the thumb over thumb grip, then, oh, you, you, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, what do you mean you don't carry a 45? You don't know what you're talking about. 
because um, you get in these ideas where you're like, this is the way it is, like very absolutist. Yeah. And there is a difference between a purist and an absolutist. There, there's a lot of people who are just like, no, no, this is just the absolute truth, and that's it. There's no wiggle room between all of that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and that's the that's kind of the problem is a lot of people are instead of just be like, oh, okay, I, I see your 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 point of view, but like we're not there yet. Or that's not what I agree with, but cool. Like we're just gonna hang out. Yeah, that's that's what we don't do in in the in the gun community. Just is, is set that shit aside. It's just like oh, I, I disagree, but um, and, and I've done that too. Yeah. Like I, I'm not I'm not a saint and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Nope, I lost sound oh. here. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, I can, I can hear you. Okay. Sorry, I went mute there for a second yeah. on my end. No, I just shut up. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just went totally mute, like I didn't hear anybody's microphones. But, uh, but I think, uh, I think part of it again, it, it goes down to that that nature of that the Second Amendment is a weird is a weird community because we do deal with things that are seen as a hobby while also being seen as a fundamental right. So it it kind of brings in a unique perspective, and I think sometimes we do forget that we are a federalist country, so. You know, we can have certain differences. Obviously, I think the Second Amendment and, you know, the Constitution should be absolute. And then anything that covered that goes Tenth Amendment and states can do whatever the hell they want, which means it is you're right. California can be pretty close to socialist while still respecting the Constitution if they wanted to. Correct. Um, It's also that people have different thoughts about what socialism means, what capitalism means and what all these things mean without even realizing what their rights are and what um, and how Correct. things exist within each framework and, and that's a bigger conversation anyway i think i think with the gun community i think that we just get a lot of um it gets heated because it is a fundamental right so unlike cars where at the end of the day it's like well if you don't give a crap about this car it doesn't affect my yeah. life well the second amendment can affect your life and it and it's very relevant so that's why we end up with a lot of heated things and i think Another part of the Second Amendment conversation just comes from the fact that I think that we have a lot of people, just because of the tactics of anti-gunners, sometimes we don't want to admit what guns are made for and, and how we deal yeah. with them. And, and I hate that all the time. Like we, we hate to talk about suicide. We hate to talk about the fact that guns were designed to kill. That's what they are. They're weapons. Uh, they can be used to defend life, obviously, and that's what we believe in. But the primary purpose of any weapon is usually to be, it has to be effective at what it does, which is causing, you know, causing harm or killing somebody. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's difficult for people to talk about because you can't separate, well, killing is bad. No, it's not always a bad thing. If you have to save somebody's life because somebody's trying to kill you, that's not bad. Uh, so there can be justified things like that. So the gun is just a tool. It doesn't matter what it, what matters is the reason that you're using the gun. The gun itself is irrelevant. It's an inner piece of metal. And I think we shouldn't be afraid of this is what guns are good at. You know, they sling lead at high speed and that's what they're for. You know, it, right. in the future, we would have laser weapons instead or plasma guns or whatever. It'll be the same purpose. Uh, and the Second Amendment covers those things. And I think we have to get over the fact that we can talk about, we can have adult conversations about suicide prevention or about that, yes, people use guns to do bad things without saying, despite all these things, we still believe in the fundamental right to own them. Yeah, and, and that's such a crucial conversation that needs to be had. It's a conversation that I have in class all the time. Um, 
it's usually towards the beginning of my class. I'm talking about the concealed carry classes is this idea that uh, gun owners have, and I don't know if this is where you're going with it, but fuck it, this is where I'm going to take it. Go for it, do it. Um, is this idea that that gun owners hate being accountable for for certain shit that happens? Yeah. So when we talk about um, our responsibility as gun owners and and making sure that we understand how to use it, teach people how to use it, and, and minimize accidents and stuff like that, I, I talk about the the context of of you got suicides and you got accidents. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of gun owners like to. Um, they hate it when I say, you know what, the anti-gunners are correct when they say that if you own a gun, you're much more likely to be shot with your own gun or, or you shoot yourself with your gun. And it's one of those like, yeah, no shit, sure, like, like if you drive, you're much more likely to get if into a car accident drown, than somebody yeah. who doesn't drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I fucking own a gun. Of course I'm much more likely to shoot myself with my gun than somebody who doesn't own a gun. Um, that's basic fucking science. Like it, it's... But a lot of gun owners are like, no, that's not true. That's not true. Like, no, it fucking legit is 100% it, it true. It exists. If it didn't exist around you, then you would never be able to do anything with it. <laughs> Correct. It's like I can't, go so, sh- I can't go to the range and shoot paper if I don't own a gun. It's the same thing. It's just a different context. Correct. Yeah. So it's just like, so we have to acknowledge that accidents are a lot more prevalent with, with homes that have guns, obviously, because there's a fucking gun in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But what do we do about it? We don't just ignore the number and say, like, ah, no, that doesn't exist. No. Because I've seen people post that on, on, on Instagram, like, hey, um, kid's safe. What's his name? Derek um, talks about this shit all the time. And it's just like, you can't just ignore that fucking number. You, you just can't. Yeah. You, you have to acknowledge that number and be like, how the fuck are we going to fix this? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of, of anti-gunners that are kind of soft anti-gunners that are more indifferent about guns, mm-hmm. they just kind of go with the anti-gun because family members or whatever. Uh, we can pull those people. We do not convert them into gun people, but definitely be like, oh, you know what? I got gun homies who, who are responsible. I got Mike Sedini doing WTTA or hold my guns and shit like that. Like, these kids safe. These people are trying to actually fix the issue instead of just trying to convince me that guns, the end all be all of everything. Because uh, there's some people that just are not meant for the 2A. They're, they're just not going to be in it. They're just not passionate about the 2A. And we can't understand that either, mm-hmm. is that there's some people out there that are just like, yeah, I understand what the 2A is. I still don't want it. And it's just like, oh, shit, there's people out there that are communists as fuck. Like for me, it's just like it's basic economics, but I have to acknowledge that there's some people out there. They just fucking love that shit. They just love anti-gunship. I'm not worried about that person. I'm worried about the soft anti-gunner that just can accept me for being the gun owner, but also for the person that's trying to uh, curve that number. Like, that's the number that I want to curve. I want to bring suicides down. I want to bring um, accidents down. And this is the work that we're trying to do to prevent all of that shit. Uh, um, I, yeah, I go know Brian Quick in the chat says, uh, he's talking to G-Dubs, where's the evidence that all this advocacy is actually working? People still vote anti-2A people that enact anti-2A laws. All we do is react, no offense. I would say that my answer to that is it's it's a little bit complex because if you'll see this just this past like year or two, you'll see that a lot of states have actually enacted constitutional carry. So I'd say that constitutional carry is progress. I think a lot of times we are disheartened by what we see in the states that are really anti-gun and how they continue to pile it on. 
that sometimes we forget that a lot of other states have made progress. And ever since Florida introduced concealed carry in the 1980s, I think shit, it's like 35 states or something now that have concealed carry licenses. So they started that. That's an improvement that we've made. Obviously, the assault weapons ban did not get renewed after 2004. So I would say that that is an improvement. I would say that the fact that AR-15s at this point, despite what the media wants to tell you, are essentially normalized, I would say that that's a pretty big improvement. Um, so I think sometimes we get caught into the negativity. Sometimes you just have to look at the fact that for a lot of people, yes, before 1986, you could own machine guns, but a lot of people still didn't. And even owning anything that wasn't like a bolt-action rifle, you you still wouldn't see guys before 1986 own regular AR-15s. Like, that wasn't a thing. So I think that the gun culture now as a whole, or at least the visible gun culture, is more accepting of things that, that even people 40 years ago when they supposedly had more rights didn't even endorse. So I think Where do you find the balance, though? Where do you find the, that, the balance that's of, the tough of being part. naive and thinking that, oh, well, it, it, I see some positivity? Yeah. Because even, I hate to take it to the fucking extreme, mm -hmm. even somebody who's in an abusive relationship can say, like, oh, no, there's positives to this person. No. Uh, this per that person, and you've probably met this person, mm -hmm. where you're just like, why the fuck don't you just leave this abusive relationship? We're like, well, no, it's because they got a good job, and they're really nice, and they're, they're really this. Because even in that shit, so at what point do we as gun owners are like, okay, we can accept the well, positivity? I, I think the difficult part is that it goes, if you want to get into that conversation, it goes beyond yeah. the Second Amendment. And I think that's why yeah. it's so difficult. Because yeah. you just have to look at the fact that it's not just the Second Amendment that's been infringed heavily throughout the years. It's almost everything that we've gone everything. through. And some yeah. of it is by design. I mean, look. When I forgot what what amendment it was, when states gave away their sovereignty to be able to choose their own senators, that was something that threw a wrench in the system, because a lot of people might think of like, well, it's great now people get to choose their senators and their representatives in Congress. It's like no, it was meant so that the people vote for the House of Representatives and the state legislatures vote for their senators, so that you have a representative of the people and you have a representative from the states. And Correct. so when you allowed the people to vote for both, the states lost some of their sovereignty underneath the Constitution because now you're all voting for the feds and the state has no skin in the game. The, fate is, the state is now always underneath the federal government and it has no say as its own individual entity. And, and, and that's, part, that, that's an even bigger issue. I think a lot of our problems rise from the fact that for years – it's a lot easier to run a country from one central authority than it is to have 50 different rep small republics, uh, uh, each semi-autonomous. So I think it was part partially laziness. I think people are like, it's right. too much work for me to worry right. about what my state does. And when I drive to another state, they have slightly different laws. It's a pain in the ass. Let's have the feds come in here and, and universalize everything. And what they didn't right. realize is, well, when you universalize everything, you're giving away your sovereignty, which means you're basically giving the 10th amendment away it almost doesn't exist yeah. correct yeah. yeah i just want to answer gw really yeah. quick as a person who lives in a pothead state yeah. that's exactly what happened all potheads got together here in colorado they tried to pass that shit twice um and the first time they were like a bunch of fighting and then the second round like you know what fuck it. i hate you you hate me but we both like weed um so the normal uh, headed up the organization like we got more money we got more power you hate us we hate you but we're gonna get together and we're gonna fucking pass this shit um 
Yeah, potheads are a good example on. Well, and you have to also understand, I believe it was Andrew Breitbart that said that politics runs downstream of culture. So you have to understand that on the left or whatever you want to call it, you know, the anti-gun side, they have culture, they have pop culture on their side. So despite the fact that we have all these great movies that seem to glorify guns and shows guns as cool, pop culture still says that guns are bad. So as long as one side owns pop culture, it's very hard to culturally make a difference in that. And so that's part of the reason why it's so difficult for us. If we had every celebrity out there running around saying guns are freaking awesome, you all should own them, then a lot of people would be like, oh my God, you're totally right. I should own a gun. But see, we do have them. Yeah. We, we do have them, though. The problem is, is we ostracize them about everything else yeah. because the 2A is still heavily ran by a certain type of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 2A is still ran, primarily uh, ran, quote-unquote ran, if, if that fucking exists. But you'll have a Post Malone who says, I fucking love guns, and I go shoot guns. They're like, well, but I fucking hate your music, and your music is garbage and shit like that. Yeah. Well, how, how about you disregard the, the music shit? How about you just accept this person? Because I've seen those posts. Oh, Post Malone is shooting his gun. Oh, I've never heard of her. Um, it's not Johnny Cash, so it, it doesn't fucking That's matter. True. So we actually do have a lot of people who, who love guns. Killer Mike loves guns, has guns. He just happens to be a fucking Bernie guy, so everybody's like, oh, fuck Bernie. So we could have all of these people on our, on our side. Um, but again, if Killer Mike shows up, somebody right away, fuck you, and I hate Bernie, and, and you fucking call me, and you're socialist, and shit like that. So it's kind of difficult just to say we, we want these people because there's a lot of them that, that are on our side. They just happen to be pro-choice. Mm-hmm. They just happen to be whatever. And then we attack them on that end as opposed to just be like, hey, you like guns. It is what it is. Uh, as long as you like guns, let's just, let's just keep the conversation at guns and let's not talk about socialism or economics or immigration. And I think we should be all right. Yeah. I, I think yeah. yeah I think it's just I think it's a huge barrier for people to cross these days uh, especially yeah. when I think if the democratic obviously if the democratic party wasn't so vehemently anti-gun I think you'd have a lot more uh, pro 2A people but I think people are kind of thrown in this corner where it's like well if I do care about guns I basically I have no choice I can't support the democratic party even if I support them on all these social issues so you're almost thrown in there, and the Republicans are like, well, yeah. we're the only ones here in town, so where else are you going to go? So yeah. it's like it goes both ways. It's like if Correct. you're somebody who's a social liberal but does believe in the Second Amendment, then you're like, well, I don't like what the Republicans say about social issues, but I hate that the Democrats are completely anti-gun. So I'm like Correct. stuck here, and I can't do anything about it. It's all, it's almost like if there should be a third choice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was only a third choice <laughs> that everybody could get behind. <laughs> yep. That likes guns and likes the social shit all at the same time. Yep. Like, if only there was a third choice. But uh... so um, <laughs> I wanted to touch on Brian real quick in the chat. Yeah. I don't know if he feels this way because correct me What's if I'm wrong, on? Brian. He he was the one. Uh, he was talking to G Webs about um, how he feels like advocacy isn't working. Is it because you feel this way? Because I feel like a lot of people feel that if we don't, if Biden doesn't lose, everything is basically for naught. Um, I've said this before. I feel like it's a very pivotal point where in Second Amendment, um, whether he wins or not, it's going to be basically 
we're going to go from where we've made all this progress to we're losing so much ground. I don't know if he feels like it's going to be dashed quickly. And that's why he feels kind of salty about advocacy. I I feel the frustration because I'm kind of on that same page. I don't think advocacy works. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've seen it here in my state where we had a bunch of anti-gun laws come in place, even though there was a lot of advocates, a lot of people kind of came out of the woodworks and started fighting against this stuff. We, in fact, recalled for the first time ever in our history uh, two state senators because of the anti-gun laws, but then quickly replaced them with with more anti-gun senators. Um, So I'm kind of on that side. Like, I get where everybody coming out, like, yeah, we do see a lot of victories, and and you can celebrate them. I, I honestly don't believe concealed carry is a victory. Yeah, I know. Like, I don't. Yeah, constitutional uh, carry is the true victory. I agree. But, correct. Yeah. But, but you know, like, it, it's kind of normalizing gun ownership a little bit more. Yeah. So, so I, I get it. Like, we're trying to see the silver, silver lining here. The silver lining is that concealed carry is opening up the door for a lot more people to, to, to be introduced into guns. But I don't see that as a as a victory. If anything, it's more government restriction because they they control how you carry a gun. They tell you how to carry a gun, as opposed and they charge you for that shit. Yeah. So they're licensing your freedom mm-hmm. back to you. I don't see that as as a victory. But I get it. Like I, yeah. I get why a lot of people would see that as a victory. Well, I think I, don't, I, I think in a country where you do you really own your house if you have to pay property taxes, correct. I think that we're already kind of past that. Correct. So, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I've, I've, I've had to come to terms where we're fucking losing. Mm-hmm. But, like, I have to be joyous in, in the, the little shit that, that we do have. Because mm-hmm. you guys know how I feel about this of shit. I, I've talked about it with Hank Strange. I, I feel that we're at a point in, in the U.S. where we're getting really fucking close. Where it doesn't matter what other country you move to. Like, I can move to Canada and be almost just as good in Canada as I am here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Because we talk about the First Amendment, we talk about all that stuff. They have gun ownership heavily restricted, but we're going there. Like, we're going there. Uh, Texas doesn't have constitutional carry. So, and then that's kind of like what everybody looks at. Oh, Texas, which I think is bullshit. I don't think Texas is really as pro-gun as people make it out to be. Um, Colorado, for the longest time, haven't been able to get constitutional carry. So, yeah, you do have little pockets of victories, but we never look at the shit that they don't have. So we never look at the shit that they've had to lose just to get constitutional carry all at the same time. So we don't talk about the, the losses as much as we talk to victories. And I think that that can give us those blinders. We're like, yay, we're winning, but we're ignoring the loses, the, all of the L's that we're taking everywhere else. Virginia, like let's talk about yeah, Virginia and how heavily, mm-hmm. like Virginia historically has never been the most pro-gun state. But it wasn't this fucking anti-gun, and, and all in one year, which is like fuck all your freedoms, like every single one of them. Like I just don't like them. Um, and and then slowly, I see that going everywhere. So it's like this fine balance for me, anyways. Like I know advocacy is not working, but I, I'm gonna plug in sixty thousand students. I'm gonna try and, and and get them as passionate about the Second Amendment as, as I am. Mm-hmm. So um, you, what you just said about the sixty thousand students, I that's actually something I wanted to say. Y'all are talking about advocacy in terms of the the legal ramifications yes. of it, but I truly see advocacy, from my perspective, is 
influencing the people, as many people as you can and getting them to believe a certain way. Because you you guys talked about it a second ago. Um, You know, uh, something follows. What did you say, Rolando, where you said um, like pop culture follows like Uh, politics is downstream of culture. So that's it. Yeah. So politics is influenced directly by culture. Right. So right now it's like our focus as long term as that seems like I don't know how how we're going to get to that point where, you know, if we're going to take less losses in the future right now, it seems pretty bleak. Um, but the best that we can do is do what Edgar's doing, get those people, do what anyone can do, you know, um, just get as many people around you to change their mind about how they feel about it. It's all about culture. And right now we're losing that culture war. We are. We, we really are. I mean, and that was my speech last year at, at, the, at the rally is just that I'm not part of the Cool Kids Club. I don't get invited to the breakfast and shit like that because, unfortunately, I, I have this really bad habit just telling you exactly how I feel about you right off the bat. Like, even if I don't mean it in a negative way, malicious way, I will let you know, hey, this is how I feel about you, wrong, right, or indifferent. I'll let you know about that shit. And people get put off by that. People are like, I don't want to hear that shit. Like, I, I don't want to hear what you see in me, the flaws or the good or the bad or, or whatever it is. And that was precisely it. Like, I don't get invited to that stuff. Not because it really, truly hurts my feelings, but it's this point is like a lot of the times I felt for myself, it was more of a thing for me. Like, I don't get invited to this stuff. And sometimes I feel down on myself. Like, yeah, I'm not part of the cool kids. Because let's be honest, everybody kind of wants to be part of the cool kids. Sure. Everybody wants to sit at the cool kids table. Everybody wants to be invited and shit like that. And nine out of ten times, I don't get invited because I, I, I do come off very standoffish. You're like, oh, Edgar said this thing. And I didn't mean anything negative about it. I just said it as as just the way I'm talking right now. It just, I felt it. I said it. And ta-da, that, that's it. I don't feel any certain type of way about it. And that speech was just that. Is I don't... I don't go to these places. People don't invite me to these places. I'm not going to speak at, at the Second Amendment Foundation policy thing anytime soon. They'll probably never invite me <laughs> to that shit because um, I'm never going to speak at CPAC because I'm not that conservative. I'll tell the conservatives they're fucking dumb when they need to be told that they're fucking dumb. So I'll never be there. I'll never speak at the Western Conservative Summit. I'll never speak at a, a Liberal Summit. I'll never do that shit because. I'll call these fuckers out when I need to call them out. Mm-hmm. Again, right, wrong, or indifferent, that's just the way I feel about it at that very moment. I'm going to talk shit about Trump because the motherfucker's not pro-gun. Yeah. Uh, Biden's not pro-gun either. Um, but at the same time, again, part of that speech was it doesn't matter what we do on the legal side of it. If we can't get people, more people that don't own guns to start looking at the Second Amendment the way I look at the Second yeah. Amendment. That, that's what and, I, and even even if it's just a like a small little thing, like what the fuck are you doing in your neighborhood, in your pocket, in your corner, in your city, in your town to change all of this shit? Uh, that's exactly what my my speech was um, last year at, at the two way rally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we actually just watched it the other day. Uh, we watched some of the rally speeches over again when we were getting yeah. ready for ours, so we saw yours. <laughs> Hell yeah, it was good. I loved it. Uh, yeah, and and I think that's. Uh, I kind of lost my train of thought there, Joe. See if you can do something while I, I get my words. Cause I, I thought of something in the middle of Edgar, Stop. but then I started listening Sorry. to Edgar, so I was like, 
I lost myself. Uh, well, I feel you on that whole not part of the cool kids club, but if it makes you feel any better, I think you're pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. I wanted, uh, to, I wanted to say hi to you first after the two-way rally. I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's um, I think people forget that. I think people get to a certain level and they're just like, oh, I am the, the cool kids club. And, and to just forget the work. Because mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. all you're worried about, I did this in politics. Like I, I 100% did this in politics. I started meeting senators and, and I mean, I, I was hanging out uh, with the Romney kids uh, doing shit. I don't know if I should be proud of that or anything, but when I was heavily politically involved, I, I was the manager for the Romney campaign um, here in the state of Colorado for Juntos Contra Romney. So I was rubbing elbows with fucking political heavyweights and that's all I focused on is like fuck yeah look at my my phone book and look at my contacts list and I can get you fucking in contact with with Romney right now I can get a hold of the kids right now and shit like that and then the political work itself is just like ah, I didn't even give a shit about it and because mm-hmm. I got so focused on and that's one thing that I told myself in the gun stuff is like I can't do that shit again because I lost sight of all of the political, what I really wanted to change politically, because I was way too focused on just being part of the cool kids club. Yeah, no, that's and, definitely true. And I think that happens. I think that that's what happens to most of our politicians when they go to Washington. Like there have been genuinely ideological politicians that go in that I feel like this person is legit. But then when they go to Washington, they see how the game is played or they just see how it is. They're like, oh, yeah, I can't I can't do this. <laughs> like, if, if I want to actually remain here, like, they're going to kick me out if I don't play the game. And then Quick. they play the game yeah. enough times, then it just becomes what they are. And they don't even remember what what got them into it in the first place. And I think it's difficult. That's why I, I went into it's bigger than the Second Amendment sometimes when I see because I've been just like you've been. I've been into politics for a long time, not necessarily yeah. specifically in the Second Amendment. So I see now focusing on the Second Amendment, I see some of the BS that they use in other arenas outside of the Second Amendment. I was like, this is just politics, man. This isn't unique to the Second Amendment. Like, don't get butthurt over this. They do this to everybody. So I was like, this is a bigger problem with the fact that people don't understand their rights. They don't understand the Constitution. And they don't understand how the government is supposed to work. So they're legitimately angry at the government for not working, but they don't understand why it's not working. So right. a lot of times people are like, well, we need socialism. We need all this stuff. It's like, no, no, no. We need to go back to how the system is supposed to work, which is a federalist form of government instead right. of having this all-powerful central federal government that does everything and the states are, are you know, uh, are, have no sovereignty. That's not right. how it was supposed to be. Yeah. So the, the country's not working the way it's supposed to. We don't have to change it into something else. We just have to reset it. And bring it back to the way it's supposed to function. And some people may like that. Some people may not. Because when the U.S. functions, it's going to be a lot more like the EU. And I know a lot of people will probably be pissed off to find that out. But that's kind of how it is. It's you have 50 semi-autonomous states. They have one set of rules that they agree on. But whatever is not covered under those rules, they can do whatever the hell they want. And that's how the Constitution and federalism is supposed to work. But... It's not. And we're angry at the federal government when it's the states that are supposed to be taking that power and responsibility. But the states gave it away. And so did we. Now, maybe it wasn't us. It was people 100 years ago. But that that doesn't change the fact that that's the way that it happened. And it's overwhelming to see the amount of people who think that we're a democracy. No, we're not. That's the other thing. Yeah, we're not. It's like 
and I see it all the time. Like, oh, they're taking our democracy away. Like, you never had it. Yeah, like, it's, you, a, it's a republic, man. It. And they and they thought of it for a reason because, let's say, okay, America is this terrible racist country that they say it is even to this day. Well, if white people are like 70% of the population, do you really want a direct democracy? Because if they are racist, like you say they are, then they can kick all the minorities out or do whatever they want. So I was like, no, that's not how it works. The Constitution protects us from tyranny of the majority. And people don't get that. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Let me go to the chat real quick. Go for it. Yeah. Because G-Webs is kind of saying some cool stuff as usual. Yeah, G-Webs. And Tony. Yeah. And Tony. Uh, he made a good point here. There, uh, G-Webs and Tony were talking about um, basically what we're saying about it being a dire situation and new gun owners and all that. So he says, uh, the new types only experience the last four years of guns and think it's dire. Learn about mm-hmm. five to 25, five to 25 years right. ago from someone who isn't trying to sell you a non-NRA membership. <laughs> and um, Tony made a good point here, too. Uh, it was 20 years between purchasing my first gun and becoming an advocate. New gun owners don't see themselves as in the gun community and more than owning a lawnmower makes you the lawnmower community. <laughs> G-Web says it took him 40 years. So, yeah. Well, that's how it so, is. So kids today, he says it takes them like four weeks. I, I don't know. I wouldn't call myself a kid. I'm a little bit older than that. But it took me a few years before I felt comfortable. Yeah. yeah. I, I think... I think uh, we just get into it again this is where i say i kind of say that nowadays is kind of a renaissance because i kind of agree i think that despite the reputation that zoomers or whatever you want to call them gen z and millennials have the ones that are pro-freedom are like extreme pro-freedom like it's not like like even the generations before that said they were libertarian like these people are hardcore like our generation is extreme in one way or the other i feel like there's almost no in between it's like either they're super pro freedom or they're totally into the socialist kool-aid and they're and there's almost no in between so i i I agree i am hardened by young people that i see that are pro 2a because they're more pro 2a than the old school fuds ever were and and that's kind of I think that's a, a big problem for the fuddery yeah. is that in it's like whoa 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 like back it up a little bit kid like like you got to be this much pro pro this today, isn't how the game but, is played you got to know the rules yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and it gets tiresome to hear about 4D chess and shit like that like it, it it does it's just like well I think we need those extremists I think we need those people because I'm not it. I, I've said this for a very long time. I believe it, it's time to water this motherfucking tree, mm-hmm. but I don't have the testicular fortitude to, to open <laughs> sure. up the hose. I, I don't have it to, in me to turn on the hose. Uh, but you best believe when somebody turns on the hose and starts watering that motherfucker, I'll hold the hose. <laughs> like I'll be there holding it. Like I'll, I'll help you like fucking shake it around a little bit. But we need these people those those absolutists yeah. to kind of take us into that direction because whether you agree with it or not america's telling us that that shit needs to be watered mm-hmm. well, that tree is drier than a motherfucker and it needs to be watered and if you don't believe that then you got to look at the patriot act we got to look at where the state of the fourth mm-hmm. like kind of what you were talking about the, the fourth yeah. amendment um the, the sixth amendment has kind of been trampled on as well mm-hmm. the second amendment the first amendment I was baffled when we started doing rallies 
again, this is like, I was just new to the activism shit. Mm -hmm. And I was like, fuck it, we're going to hold a rally. And all of a sudden, the, the state patrol calls. They're like, hey, buddy, like, we hear it all over the news, but do you have a permit to have a rally? I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, a permit? Like, well, it, it's funny. I got the First Amendment, motherfucker. It's funny like, because I heard um, the, uh, I, I watched Tim Poole. He's an independent <clears throat> journalist, and he had the head of the Proud Boys on the other day, and he's actually a Cuban-American guy. <laughs> so so uh, he was on, and, and you know, Tim Pool is a good journalist, so he started asking. It's like, look, there are times when you've done stuff that people you beat beat the crap out of people in the street, and obviously that's not wrong. And and you talk crap about Antifa, so what's the deal here? And they start having the conversation. It's like, look, you know, we did something wrong. We turned ourselves into the cops. And Tim Pool stops him. He's like, see, that's the difference between you guys and Antifa. You guys, even when you did something wrong, you turned yourself into the cops. Antifa just ran away and said, "F this, we're not going to get arrested." Right. So it's almost like that's part of what kind of gets us on the advocacy side. It's like the the anti-gun side. I guess you can call it the left. Unfortunately, that's kind of what it is. Unfortunately, that that's how it is. Um, they they're willing to do any use any tactic, not care about anything. Whereas we still always follow the rules. And I'm not saying yeah. that that's a good or bad thing. But it's a reality. So if you're not willing to use all the tag, if you're going to fight with one hand behind tied behind your back, you're going to be at a disadvantage no matter what. Doesn't matter how strong you are with that one arm. Yeah. You know that's how it is. So I think you're you're talking about the absolutists. I think part of the problem is that let's take let let me throw in something that's hardcore left. The Green New yeah. Deal. Let's throw in the Green New Deal here. Okay. When the left asks for something, they go all the way. Like we want cows to be cows to be regulated because there's no cow, cow farts they give off co2 so they go the Correct. extreme instead of saying something that like a conservative that wanted a green new deal would be like well let's give 10 percent off of the taxes of a solar power company and give them that incentive whereas the left will say no no we're going to outlaw fossil fuels we're not going to give Correct. incentives to a green company we're just going to outlaw fossil fuels so okay. maybe the tactic on the pro-gun side should be we want to make sure that civilians have the right to own fighter jets and nuclear weapons. And that's where they start. So that when you negotiate down to only 50%, you'll be like, oh, no, you're right. That's an extreme position. So just give us fully automatic weapons and we'll be happy. And it'll be like, oh, see, we compromised. We gave away like 90% of the things that we wanted. We wanted warships, nuclear weapons, missiles and all that stuff. But we only right. asked for automatic weapons. So you should be happy. We're compromising. They'll, they'll be like, right. you know what? You're right. They gave away almost everything they wanted. Now right. we should give them automatic weapons. That's not a big deal. And I think that's You forgot to mention tanks. Yeah, I want tanks. tanks. Yes. So I think that's a problem. We almost have to start negotiating at an absurd position like they do so that when we negotiate down, it's actually the position that we want, which would be repeal the NFA, something like that. Yeah. So. And I think that the conservatives, they get into this position where they see where they want to be and then they see other people have what they want and they're, they're upset about that. I, I think a lot of the times is conservatives get really mad mm -hmm. and I'm going to use immigration as, as a kind of a point at the risk of pissing off the, um, the chat. Um, so if we look at illegal immigration, you hear Republicans all the time talk about no taxes um, or low taxes or freedom and absolute freedom and, and all that shit. Like they, they talk about that shit all the time. And then they see a Mexican cross over the border and like, okay, they're supposedly not paying taxes, which is untrue. Um, but let's just say that's what that was true. They're, they're not paying taxes, they're working. Um, also, that they're using the free market to get jobs. They're not stealing any jobs. They're just using the real free market to get jobs. 
So I think a lot of Republicans are just like, holy fuck, that dude's doing what I want to do. Uh, no, uh, but you bring that up and they're like, well, no, that's not the way it is. They're like, oh, okay, so, so then you agree with, with um, you agree with the minimum wage. Like, no, I don't agree with the minimum wage. I'm like, okay, this Mexican don't give a fuck about the minimum wage either. Like, he was cool with working for $5 a, an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did it voluntarily. You like volunteerism, right? Like, you like to, to voluntarily work for a company, right? Not be told what the fuck you make and what you don't make. So I think a lot of times it's the conservatives just look at what they want, and then they get really, really upset at it, and then they no, no longer know how to fight this shit. They're just using bad words at this point. It, they're using ad hominems because they, they like ran out of shit to say at, at, at some point. Um, and, and it's really difficult to start working with somebody who's pissed off because now you're just throwing, throwing a tantrum. Uh, try and reason with the five-year-old kid that's throwing the fucking tantrum in the middle of Walmart without whooping his ass. Yeah. Um, it, it's 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 pretty difficult. Like it, it's it's pretty difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you see this in every aspect of it. And I think that's why uh, I got a conservative side. Uh, for my the, the conservative quote unquote is more on the economic side mm-hmm. than anything else. But I see it like it's we're losing that battle because it's constantly just throwing tantrums instead of being strategic the way you mentioned it. Yeah. And they're like, well, fucking no, like, I want, like, dragons is what the fuck I want. I want to fly on a dragon and, and just compromise on all that shit. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's where the disconnect is. It's that the, the people, the two, the Second Amendment constituency, at least on the more advocate and extremist side, wants all those things, but the politicians aren't actually putting forth what we ask them to. Yeah. They're putting forth the minimum. And if you put forth the minimum, you're always going to lose. And that's that's just common sense because you see what the other side does. They go for whole hog. If they could, if they knew it was politically expedient, they would say, even to this point, they this is the one thing they can't say. Well, let's ban all guns. That's still the one thing they can't entirely say. But they will get as close as they can to ask for everything up to that point, at least on the state level. Obviously, on the federal level, they have to play more games than on the state level but in california they could say i want to ban all guns and get away with it and they'd be like yeah right. yeah that's right yeah i would be for that so then when they compromise with you it's like well we only got rid of assault what of quote unquote assault weapons see guys like it wasn't that bad we we were willing to compromise with you so correct so that, yeah. that may, i think that's what we have to do i think the negotiation tactic needs to change or else it will get to the point that you said where the tree's gonna have to be uh, it's gonna have to be uh, fed again, you know. Yeah, we need to water that. Yeah, it's gonna have like to be it, watered. But I think this yeah, is the correct. one strategy that we haven't used yet because I have not seen any Republican or conservative or pro two A politician say, "Let's just cut to the chase." Instead of saying, and I don't think they will. Yeah, I don't think they will think because they, they don't know to do. how to play the game. We've seen that time and time again. Yep. They see what the tactics are and they feel like they're too honorable to to use them. Yeah. I'm sorry, but there's definitely flaws with how they fight. Yeah. And, and I learn. think a lot of them just don't, they don't really, really truly believe it. Like we have to admit that a lot of Republicans are not pro two A. Um I we say this all the time. The the purist community say this all the time. Like Ronald Reagan was not good for guns. No, he wasn't uh, If you look at terrible. California, California is where it's at because of Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not because the Democrats started this shit, it's because Ronald Reagan didn't want black people to carry openly, so he's like, I'm not, I'm gonna get rid of that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and then everybody else, again, a lot of Republicans that are in office, 
it, it the guns may not be their 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 thing. Uh, abortion might be their thing. So they don't care about guns. I don't care if I lose the 2A in this state because all I care about is abortion. Yeah. That's what I want to fight. Or the economy. I just want to fight for the economy. And then when it comes to the guns, they're just like, I don't give a shit. Like, I'll, I'll compromise all day long as long as my bill gets passed and you support my bill uh, when it comes to the economy or, or abortion. So I'm 100% okay with giving you. And that's what a lot of people call 4D chess. Um, except it never goes back to in our direction. No, it, it just doesn't. Because again, the pro two A guys are not that aggressive. Exactly the way you say it. Mm -hmm. that, that's what they need to do. And, and it's just it's because you said most of them are just not absolutists, even within the own within their own party. And I think that's kind of the difference that we've seen. And and maybe it makes people on the right more frustrated. I don't know if it's a good or bad thing because I don't necessarily want to be taken hostage like the Democratic Party got taken hostage, but I don't think we think that way either on, on our political side. I don't think I don't think anybody that we would objectively call on the right or the pro-freedom side would ever do the tactics that the left has because even if you go into, well, white extremists and neo-Nazis are on the right. I was like, politically, no, they're really not. Those people are actually socialists. They just happen to use a different name. Correct. They just want racial socialism instead of socialism for everybody. Correct. So I was like, there's no difference between us. So I would never call them on, on the pro-freedom side because they don't want freedom by not wanting diversity at all. So Correct. that just tells you everything you need to know about them. So they're not Absolutely. on our side decide, despite how many people may throw them on there. And again, that's the other side where I see kind of the pro-freedom movement too, where I get mad at some people where sometimes I, I agree that we want to make the Second Amendment the issue, but I also don't want to affiliate with groups that would undermine all of our other rights. So you've seen some of the, like the pro-freedom or anti-government people on the right that are like, well, I can hang out with some of these Antifa people because they're against the government too. And they want to use guns too. And I was like, yeah, but they're, they're anti the constitution just because they're pro guns. Yeah. They're, they want guns as a tool for revolution, not as when, tool. When I, um, uh, yeah. Exactly. And I've, and I've told Joe that that was one of my concerns. I was like, I think some of these pro freedom anti-government dudes are going to start affiliating or hanging out with these leftists and they're not going to realize like the enemy of my enemy is not my friend that just means i have two enemies now two enemies yeah, 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 yeah. so and, so and that that's kind of where where i've been show when the whole masking happened i posted a video one of the rare videos when i post stuff that's not gun related um mm -hmm. uh, but it was definitely heavy freedom related it's just like it, i was completely against the the shutdowns obviously completely against the mandated mask wearing mm -hmm. And I was pretty passionate about it because psychologically it took me to a space where I hadn't been at in a very long time, like that feeling of oppression. Um, it's a feeling that I had when I was growing up in the hood, not necessarily um, as an adult. And it, like it quickly took me back there. So I got pretty passionate about that stuff. And there's a lot of gun owners who agreed with all of that stuff. And, and it's just like, well, the ultimately i like guns because of freedom so if i if i'm going to be true to to why i like guns then it's because i like freedom yeah. and if you are okay with my business being subjected to government rule then you're kind of against me yeah if you're okay with me going to jail because i, I wear or don't wear a mask then you're kind of against my freedom because the way the reason why I wear a gun is is again one to keep myself free from from bad guys. Uh, that's the immediate. 
but in the long term is I carry a gun because I don't want government overreach. I don't want the government deciding whether my business is a viable business or if it's a if it's a worthy business. I mean, to to be around or not. Like I, I, I like that shit. Luckily, we were considered essential as guns in the state of Colorado by a Democrat um, um, governor, uh, which was pretty pretty weird that that he did that. But it's still like I don't like that shit. There's a bunch of people on there, a lot of the homies that that owned other kinds of stores, restaurants, so like they are shut down because they're not essential. Like that, that's, that goes against why I carry a gun. Mm-hmm. Um, or that is the reason why I carry a gun. So if I'm going to be true to that, and there's a lot of people, I, I just lost their support and it's just like, well, it just, at some point we got to choose, are you for freedom or are you not for freedom? And I kind of have to be okay with, with losing your, your friendship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause maybe it wasn't that strong to begin with. Um, so, I don't know what the fuck I'm saying at this point. It sounds amazing, and I feel good about it. Well, I don't give a fuck what that, that's did. one of the things I've because I've always grew up, you know, Republican conservative my entire life. So one of the things yeah. that I had to grasp with was realizing that the Republican Party is not everything that they say they are, and I think that that's an awakening that a lot of people have. Now I believe in the, a lot of the principles, but it's kind of like saying that you believe in the Constitution, but you know that the founders didn't always follow everything they said in the Constitution. That's don't it's okay. You, you can agree with somebody's argument and then find out later on that they don't follow their own crap. It doesn't necessarily mean that what they said was wrong. It just means that they're a hypocrite. <laughs> so, yeah, but uh, and, and sometimes which, which we all are. By yeah, the way. which we all are. Yeah, that's how humans are. And sometimes people think you're a hypocrite, but it's just like, dude, I just found out something that I never knew before. And I changed right. my position. Like, if you want to like hate on me for that, you can. But yeah. it's just like I didn't have the information. And I think that's how a lot of people are. And we have to be sympathetic towards that, especially as with all these new gun owners. I mean, there's going to be a ton of people that are like that. They're going to be like, I never knew anything about this. Johanna's interacted with a lot of people at her work that are not gun owners. And she's told them things. They're like, oh, my God, I never knew that. Like, that's so stupid. It's not, oh, my God, I didn't know that. It's did somehow, somehow it's always something about Trump, even if it's not at all about Trump. That's what pisses me off. I'm telling them something about that. Let's just say anything that's not super like liberal. And they're like, oh, Trump. I'm like, literally has nothing. I was like, no, it isn't. He didn't even talk about that. Yes. (laughs) And and I think that's where we have to start challenging people and be okay with it. I think a lot of people are afraid of challenging people Mm -hmm. and afraid of losing friendships or whatever it is. Like, um, you have to. One of the things that I'm starting to challenge people on left or right is argue your case without bringing up the the opposition mm-hmm. just argue your fucking case tell me why trump is better on guns than biden without bringing up biden or the democrats tell me why he's better on guns tell me why he's pro-gun don't bring up biden don't bring up any democrat uh why is trump pro-gun mm-hmm. or or why is biden better for for the the hispanic community or mexicans without bringing up trump like you, you got to tell me this shit. And a lot of people kind of like that. It's just like, no, no, like right away they have to bring up the opposition. Like, no, then it's not a real argument. What you're telling me is you think your person's better than the other person. You have a loyalty to a brand. You don't have a, a loyalty to, to reality. Um, and that's hard to separate people from. Mm-hmm. I, I mentioned this, I think, during Rhonda's episode. But I feel like a lot of this is linked to mental laziness. Um where people just don't like to think anymore and just, you know, they don't look up, up from their Facebook, 
newsfeed. And that's why it's even so much more dangerous that um, it's very curated for a specific point of view. Because people just don't like to think. If you ask anyone, well, like you said, just tell me a specific, why are you voting for this person without saying this other person sucks? They can't. Yeah. If you, if you, when the whole Goya thing was going on, um, they were just like, that's really messed up. And I'm like, do you even know what Goya was stepping up about? It was about pro-Hispanic business. But But they didn't know anything about that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, correct. It was associated with Trump, and that's unfortunate. Because uh, again, I, I see this on both aspects. Being an anarchist, I, I get the luxury of seeing both hypocrisies mm-hmm. um, while ignoring my own. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I get to see both sides of the hypocrisy, and I often find myself fighting on both sides. It's just like I'm not pro-Trump, but like you're, you're fucking way too much on that sorry for the the visual effects mm-hmm. way too much on the on the on on the biden uh junk that that you you can't see how crappy biden is for for minorities mm-hmm. like you just heard trump say i hate mexicans because they're all drug dealers and and rapists and shit like that you're stuck on this one soundbite from 2016 yeah. that you can't see the lifelong uh, career that that Biden has had, um, very successful career against Mexicans and against uh, the black community. That how horrible his ninety four well, bill is. It, of a lot of people already know this shit. Well, he gets to pass uh, the bill, and his son is doing committing crimes that would have thrown him in prison based on the bill that he passed. <laughs> so it's like Correct. the drug yeah. the drug penalties that his son would have to go through if they took him to court are because of the ninety four crime bill. So yeah, it, it, it goes straight to rules for thee and not for me. It goes straight to that and that level of hypocrisy. And that's why I tell people, I was like, look, you can say whatever you want about Trump, but at least the dude was in the private sector. So if the feds haven't gone after him, too bad, so sad. You might not like how he ran his business, but they haven't gone after right. him criminally. What can you do? Biden's actually been there for like 50 years creating these laws. Like you can get tr- mad at Trump for like the past three and a half years. But can you compare that to a 50-year resume in that regard, if you're going to do that? It's like one's been in government forever. The other one has barely been in government at all. And, in fact, what he's kind say, of been trying to dodge to give government his money for decades. So I can respect a dude that doesn't want to pay – that wants to pay the least amount of taxes that he can get away with versus a guy that's been in in government for 50 years, at least a little bit more. So Biden's been in office, well, almost a quarter of, of the U.S. history. Yes, like, I think is, I heard something that like that. Yes, yeah. Like, it's fucking insane to be in politics for a quarter of what that country has been, in, like, existed for. Like, that's just fucking bonkers. Yeah. Like, mathematically, it's just like, that motherfucker's old. Yeah. First of all, um, and the other thing is... He hasn't changed anything in, in so long. Yeah. I talk shit more about Trump, so a lot of people think I, I'm, I'm a Democrat. I, I find myself trying to tell people I'm not a Democrat, but he's the one that's president right now. Well, and I think sometimes people, uh, people. I mean, at least I can say in my case, if you can't criticize the people that you may eventually support, they're never going to improve and do anything that you want. So if you don't tell them, like, I'm like, well, I'm on, I'm I'm with this guy like 80%, but that last 20% is really important to me. But I don't want to say anything because I actually I, – I, I'm probably going to vote for him anyway because let's be honest. The, the alternative is minus 20%, right? 
versus the 80% that I agree with. But I still have to fight for that last 20% because maybe he'll give it to me. Maybe nobody's complained to him about it before because everybody's too afraid to say it. And then you might actually bring it up and you think that you're being a pain in the ass, but they might be like, you know what? Nobody's actually said that to me the way they were before. I actually never cared about the issue, but now that you brought it up to me, I may actually vote on it for you or I'll improve. And I think that's where Trump's at. Like, he's not a gun guy. Yeah. Like, he, he's not. Yeah. Like, a lot of people forget. I'm not talking about whether he's pro 2A or, or anti 2A. No, it's just, that's not how he grew up. He's, he's not a gun guy. Yeah. He, he's not a FUD. It, it's, he's indifferent to guns. So, he, again, he, he's probably in this for, for fame and, and, and a lot of self-fulfilling dreams and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Little penis syndrome. He probably got bored and he was like, I don't know what the fuck else to do. Like, I've... Oh well, I, mean, I well he I, ran because Obama like threw him out in that uh, they they had like a roast or whatever the meeting and he's like oh Donald Trump wants to run for president or and all this stuff like he never he win ran or something out of spite. yeah so <laughs> Trump was like you know what f you 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 mother effers don't think I can run I'm gonna do it just to spite you and yeah. that's why he ran for yeah. president that's the most Trump reason but that's yeah. exactly why he did it and and, and again yeah and I mean that that's really it so yeah. Um, so, but for me, it's just like we got to remind him that if if he's gonna be in there, he's got to represent exactly. And, uh, and I think the quote unquote conservative. Yeah, and I think that's the good point. and the bad thing about him. It's that if you come up to him out of good faith, like if the Democrats didn't do what they did to him, I think if they said like, "Look, Trump, like we'll we'll be nice to you, give us universal health care," he'd be like, "You know what? The media and the Democrats are gonna like me. I'll give you guys universal health care." Just because you're being nice about it. Or at least we can talk about it. I think Trump is that kind of guy. And that's why I'll be honest, I didn't vote for him in 2016 because I thought he was like a Democrat plant. I thought the dude was going to be a Trojan horse. Uh, He kind of proved me wrong. And I think part of it is that he proved me wrong. And I think the Democrats forced him into the, oh, okay, you guys want to talk crap about me all the time? F you. Now I am going to do some conservative stuff just to piss you off, even though I wouldn't have come up with this myself. Have you saw that video of him from when he was, no, what, true. was he, that in the 80s? Yeah, he's he, always been... He was always been a fiscal conservative. Yeah, and he's yeah. been socially liberal. So he's been consistent Social. about that. So he is Correct. who he is. It's just, yeah, you're yeah. right. He, yeah, because even on the liberal side, I mean, uh, he's never... He's never said he's never donated to, to Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. He's been like, yeah, I probably donated to them. Yeah. Um, and he's never been anti-gay and, from what I've heard either. He doesn't care. Correct. Yeah, he's yeah, never he, he, He's never been that... He's never addressed the the social stuff the way he, he does now, mm-hmm. and I think that's where a lot of gun owners just don't see it. They don't just come at it like that. For me, it's just like you're in office. I gotta hold you accountable to this shit. And he's not gonna listen to me, but he's gonna listen to voters. Yeah. Um. When when he does it, I think a lot of people just don't. They're not intellectually honest with themselves about where where they're at with with all of this stuff. So. Mm-hmm. It's very important to, to hold people accountable. And, and, and um, again, it's not a negative thing. Like, I, I, I just got a challenge. Like, I got to get challenged every yeah. once in a while. I can't, I I can't not be challenged and, and, and not be told, hey, dude, what, what, what about this? You said last week this and then. And I've got to look at it and be like, okay, I guess I'm a hypocrite and either be okay with it or, or, or change the way I'm thinking about mm-hmm. you and be honest about that e- either way. So, Webb says if he was never, why do people think he is anti-Hispanic now? 
I don't know. People just started saying he was racist. It's because of I mean, the it, comment that he made, and they it was part. Oh, about the cartels. Yeah, it was partially out of context. So the media ran at, with it the most negative way, and it was also Trump says things very inartfully and very stupidly. So he, he can did be taken say the out thing of context. about Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria. Yeah. So I, I mean, I didn't take it personally because I'm like, the dude says stupid stuff sometimes. Like, let me see what he actually does. Uh, and that's yeah. kind of how I've He's taken got him. foot and mouth syndrome or just constantly needs to talk. Like he just needs to just shut up yeah. so and I'm, not I'm, say the first thing that comes to his right. head because he often doesn't, it's just blah, blah, blah. He doesn't actually do anything with that. He just has a bad habit. People need to, I've said this before, someone, his keeper needs to come and tape his thumbs together so he can't go on Twitter <laughs> and just come on. And, and I, I mean, think he wouldn't that, be so bad. Yeah. I think that's what, what kind of kills him. Yeah. Because I'm with you. I think I'd be mad at him and, 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 and kind of say he's, he's anti-immigrant, um, regardless of what he said. Because, again, I'm with you on, on the whole action thing. Yeah. Like, he is building a wall. Like, he is pretty adamant of fucking spending billions of dollars, which is not fiscally conservative, by the yeah, way. That's true. Uh, uh, billions of dollars on a wall that we all know isn't going to work with Mexicans. Like, we build tunnels like a motherfucker. <laughs> um so me as a Mexican who believes in in, in true free market, um, I have to look at this and be like, okay, that's not real free market. Like if you're closing off borders and you're making shit, like it's mm-hmm. no longer about security because we've got a bigger border up north um, that shit comes through all the fucking well, time. Yeah, and I think and I think conservatives need to be honest. Like I'm honest now. Like I'm not a free marketeer anymore. I think that. I, I think that it's proven that I am no longer a free marketeer and I believe yeah. in that. And it's because, and it's not anything because I think it's kind of like how you are with anarchy. I believe in the ideology of free marketism. I think that yeah. as long as you have countries that don't, that don't play by the rules with China, free market is impossible. I think a free yeah. market with a world with China is absolutely impossible because you might get everyone else in the West to agree. Like, okay, we're not going to tax each other. We're not going to put tariffs. We're not going to do all this stuff. But it's almost like anarchy, and this is why I think anarchy as an ideology makes sense, but as a as a proven thing, it doesn't work. And it's because somebody else will always say like, "This anarchist guy is he's having a pretty good time on his farm over there. He's got all the resources he needs. He's doing really well. He's got his commune going. He's got his own shit. But we're not doing well because we're a bunch of lazy asses." But if we get 10 of us together, we can go ahead and take out that anarchist and take all his stuff. And that's what happens every time. So that's how the Chinese would do it. They'll be like, okay, you guys can play by the rules. We have 1.5 billion people. We don't have to compete by your rules. We can have labor at slave wages. We don't have to care about human rights. We don't have to do all these other things. And we're going to outcut you every time we're going to use capitalism against you. But LeBron James told me that they love. I know, I know, yeah, and that's why I've, social I, justice, and, and that's why I've realized like <laughs> I can't be an absolutist about anything because there yeah. will always be somebody that takes advantage of you. So I was like, I can't say that I'm a free market absolutist anymore because China exists and they disprove me every time that I say the free market works. And even in our own country, we prove that there's always going to be a cronyist somewhere that says like Facebook. Oh, right. Yeah, I believe in the free market. But then Facebook and Google will advocate for regulations that they can afford to pay for. And they're like, oh, well, of course, we." Uh, somebody's like, let's well, start your own social media company. Well, we don't live in a true free market because the government is essentially partially socialistic because they choose the winners and the losers. 
So if Facebook and Google can lobby to make the barrier for entry so high, then I can't start a competitor against them. Correct. Because the government is basically helping them uh, be anti-competitive. Correct. So it's like a government-endorsed monopoly. Correct. So that's the problem. And, and that's the thing is and, and nobody will get rid of them. Like everybody's yeah. afraid to get rid of them because because both Republicans and Democrats feel like there needs to be regulation of some sort. And that, that's kind of where, where we mm -hmm. we fall. It's just it, it's difficult to tell people we don't need. I don't need to tax my neighbor to get a road like I, I can collectively get the people who are OK with the road and be like, hey, let's pay for a fucking road. But everybody's like, no, again, I'm too lazy. So let, let's have somebody else do it for me because uh, it's a lot easier if I have somebody else do it for me. And not only that, but then I, I no longer have to be responsible for it when it fucks up. I can just be like, oh, it was somebody else's fault. It's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. See, it, it's Che Guevara's fault that the U.S. is all socialist right now because there's shirts about him. Um, <laughs> and I think the people not knowing is part of the problem because, again, yeah. since the people aren't educated from the start and whose responsibility is for that, I think it should be the people. But I think if the government's got the – see, if the government has an education system, then it – well, it doesn't because the government wants to be socialistic. That's the problem. If the U.S. government cared about itself maintaining America the way that it should be, then they would teach home economics, personal finance, and the Constitution when you're in public school because then it would be like, okay, at least we're creating citizens that we don't need to worry about later on. So, yeah, we're paying for a public education system. People don't like that. But at least now we're preparing Americans to know what America stands for, what our rules are, and then they can be self-sufficient instead of, yeah. well, we're not going to teach you anything about how our rules are. And then you're going to be angry when you get out of college and say that the system doesn't work because we never even taught you how the system works. Correct. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, the Mexican Second Amendment. One of the things that I found out that was pretty intriguing, and I think the U.S. does this really well overall. Mm -hmm. Is they they so the Mexican uh, Constitution about uh, the Second Amendment or the Articulo Diez, um, their Second Amendment it's there, but then they also mandated a government program that teaches uh, gun control. Yeah. So yeah, we have the Second Amendment amendment, but there's a federal law that says that they have to push anti-gun propaganda. Mm -hmm. So it, it's it's kind of like yeah, we do have gun ownership, but we're going to teach you all at the same time. And I think the U.S. does that with freedom. It's like, we got freedom, but let's teach these fuckers that freedom is bad for them. Mm -hmm. That's why we need uh, the Patriot Act. That's why we need to wear masks. And that's why we need to shut down businesses. And that's why you need to pay into uh, so much money into Social Security and, and, and all that stuff. Because it's... And by the way, a lot of stuff that Republicans agree with. Yeah. No, um, a lot of social programs that Republicans are just like, yeah, I just fucking love it. While while cursing socialism all at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, well, it, I, it, it, it's because we forget that in a sense we are a socialist country right now. Just nobody wants to admit it because if the government is influencing capitalism and that's fine. I think people just need to be open with certain things. Honest that, about like it. if you're OK with it, that's OK. It's like uh, it, it's like the argument that. Uh, you know, Republicans will say, well, if you're getting an abortion, you're killing babies. Well, if you buy into the premise that you're killing babies and you're pro-abortion, then just say you're okay with it. And I know people right. don't want to say that, Correct. but that's kind of what it is. And that's right. what it is. It's like sometimes you just have to man up and say, yes, this is what I agree with. And then defend right. your actual position instead of trying to pussyfoot around it and say, well, like, well, you know, I'm really not. People it's try and pin me into that stuff, especially on the left all yeah. the time. So you're okay with grandma dying? If that's the way you want to pin it, then yeah, I'm okay with grandma dying. It, it is the way. Like, yeah. 
it, it is what it is. I can't, I can't, I'm not going to change how you feel about that stuff. Mm -hmm. But if that's the way you want to put it, then absolutely I'm 100% okay with killing grandma because my freedom is more important than grandma. Yeah, I mean, and that's how sometimes people need to be. And, and I think people are too afraid to, to say what their Words. positions are. You said this before, words have power, and yeah. right now, words are violence. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's crazy. It, it is bonkers. So, I don't know if we turned your, your two-way podcast into. No, this happens every <laughs> time. No, this happens okay, every time. When we get, yeah. And we knew yeah. having you on, like, we would get into deeper conversations. And, and, we, and we always go there, and sometimes people like it, sometimes people don't. I think, for the most part, though... Most people agree with freedom. Sometimes they just don't think of it. Sometimes they've never thought of it a certain way, though, because I, yeah. I could see how if you come from a very pro Second Amendment state, yeah. you could almost be in a bubble and you could be like, well, the Second Amendment's totally fine. Like, we're, we're totally OK here. Like, I can buy whatever right. gun I want. I've been through this. And it's true. And, and, and that's one of the things that I've gotten to. It's like you don't know what you don't know. And, and that's one of the things like my life experience has to do with that. I've gotten to live in a lot of in a few different countries because my dad was in the Navy. So I've gotten to see how other people look at the United States outside of the U.S. and and just how people believe certain things. And, you know, that's why I'm not offended by a lot of things, because I'm like, sometimes people are just ignorant and I'm not going to get pissed right. off at somebody like yeah. if somebody's never seen a Hispanic person before. How the hell am I going to get mad at them? that they don't know that Puerto Rico's, you know, if, if I got mad at everybody that got, that didn't know that Puerto Rico's not part of the United States, I would just be the angriest Hispanic dude ever, you Wait, know? You don't have a passport? Yeah, exactly. So people are always like, oh, you know, Puerto Ricans and, and, you know, even Hispanics too, like, why don't you care about this issue? I was like, because it doesn't affect me, asshole. I don't yeah. care. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. how it is. Like immigration, Puerto Ricans don't care about immigration. Like, that's one of the issues that's off the table with, with us. Like, I'm sorry, we don't. But we care about a lot of other stuff, but that doesn't affect us. So we're not yeah. going to go to the rally that cares about immigration because we're already Americans. So, Correct. So it, You've already got yeah. – And so people don't understand that. I could see, like, while some people in maybe some insert pro-to-amendment state, well, I don't care that Californians have all these restrictions. You guys are screwed. Like, that's your problem. And I'm like, well – That's the problem with it people is the problem. saying just – that's yeah. the problem with people saying just move to the pro 2A state because, you know, it's clearly if you look at it historically, California used to be red. California used to have, you know, be a lot freer than it is now. And fast forward 20 years, look at it now. Yeah. Correct. So it's like you got to fight for the states that have less than you do because then you keep the battle there too. You keep it isolated. Like if, if we get all the anti-gun groups to always fight in California, then I, I look, I feel bad. I'm sorry, Californians, that you guys are screwed. But maybe the other not 49 states will be free because they're going to have to waste all their resources focusing on one state that they can't get what they want out of it because we keep investing on the pro-gun side in that state as well. And the money talks. That's how it is. Yeah. You know, they've got like $100 million from Bloomberg. What do we have? We got the NRA, and they, they steal half the money that they take in anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we don't really have them either. It's like, it's, like, it's like your uncle is like, yeah, man, I'm here for you, but I'm stealing your lunch money at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> for real. What I want to know is we don't have any billionaires out there that are pro-2A. Like, I always thought that old rich guys were really into guns. Yeah. What the hey? That's, that's the thing, yeah. I think a lot of them are are just not as as active. So, and I've said this a lot in in, in politics. 
So in politics, I, I had a lot of uh, friends who were well off that were Democrats. And anytime I would call them, they would answer the phone. And then I had, when I was going through my MBA to, to get that um, worthless piece of paper um, and, and get the, the MBA, I wanted an internship. Uh, there was a, a, a political heavyweight here in the state of Colorado who owns his own business. I was like, hey, I'm trying to get my MBA. Um, I'd like to intern in your company. He's like, nah, like, uh, we're, we're good. Like, we're not, like, not willing to help out in any way, shape, or form. When I'd hit up the, the Democrats, they're like they're super active. The, all the rich guys were like, fuck yeah, like we'll help you out. We'll, we'll let you know what's up. Like we'll, we'll help you out with finance and, and all that stuff. I never took them up on it because I, I couldn't see myself at that point anyways being in a fucking Democrat office uh, when I was basically a neocon at that point. Uh, right now, I'd probably take, take advantage of that opportunity because it's a business decision. It's not a polit political decision. But at that point, I couldn't distinguish the two. But every time I would ask the, the rich Republicans, it was just like, no, I'm, I'm just here to kick in money and, and, and eat dinner with the, the governor or the president and say that and take pictures and then never see the fucker again, like never see them again. So a lot of these people, to their own detriment, they just they're just hermits. They, they just like, I just want to be left alone. But again, it's to their own detriment, like they don't invest. Um, we could easily get a bunch of the rich people and create our own YouTube. Uh, we have the finances to do it on the, the the freedom side of it. I'm not even talking about the conservative side. I'm talking about the freedom side of it. We can easily get a McAfee uh, to, he, he's not going to use his money. He's on a fucking boat sailing somewhere, if I, if I remember correctly. Um, he, he doesn't need his, his mansions and his money and his McAfee money. Like, we can easily start the ship, but a lot of these people are just like, no, I'm going to hoard this money. Um I think it has to do with uh, individualism versus collectivism. The fact that our side is for individualism and individual rights sometimes means that we kind of take an every man for himself approach. Yeah. And then the other side is collectivist, so they never do. So they'll always have kind of a slight advantage when it comes to that because they'll always right. take one for the team, whereas we're like, well, I earned my shit. I worked really hard. If you didn't do it, then that's too bad. I'm not going to help you out. And I'm not saying that that's all of it, but that's kind of like the conservative mentality. And I get it. Yes. I get it because I can sympathize for that. When you work hard and you build something yourself and you see other people that may believe what you believe, but they're not willing to put that much effort. Sometimes you're like, you know what? Screw you, man. I'm not even going to help you out. But then you're like, not everyone is that self-motivated and you got to give them the kick. Correct. And, and that's sometimes, and, and, sometimes something that we forget. And that's where uh, I, I appreciate the, the Mexican culture. A lot of Hispanics are kind of like this. It's not socialism, it's group economics. Mm -hmm. is, is That's why a lot of times you see 10 fucking Mexicans living in one house, uh, or 10 different families living in one house, so you got like fucking 15 motherfuckers in one house, and you're like, what the fuck are they doing? It's just like, no, they're just, they're building that house up, so they collected their money, they bought one family that one house, mm -hmm. and then next month they're gonna have enough money to put down on a down payment for somebody else's house, and, and it just progresses from there. And then eventually it's just going to be one family living there. You just have to put up with the 15 Mexicans for about six months or so. Uh, here in a little bit, don't don't worry, within a year, uh, all those cars that are parked on the lawn are going to be gone. Uh, <laughs> it's just they're just trying to help each other out. Yep. And when I came in with, to the politics, I was expecting the same thing. And then it was just like, nope, like you just got to figure it out on your own. Like, what the fuck do you mean I got to figure it out on my own? You're here. You have the knowledge. 
why wouldn't you help me out so we can be stronger collectively instead of and for a long time I, I fell into that trap of the, the Republican way of thinking it's like no you just got to do it on your own I think I and I think you know, Republicans wouldn't want to admit this, but I think the equivalent that they used to have was the church. I think the church helped a lot of people add community because a lot of times you see like charities and faith communities would give a lot. And I think even conservatives don't want to admit that that, that community has kind of died off and on their side, right. on their side. And that's kind of what gave them the same thing, because that's always kind of what the conservative viewpoint yeah. was. It's like, well, the government doesn't have to provide because I'll give you the shirt off of my back. You don't have to ask Uncle Sam. I got you, man. You're, you're, you're on hard times. I can help you out. And I think maybe we've just become more of a selfish society yeah. in general. Uh, and, and obviously, True. that's always the flaw of capitalism. Look, all, all of the economic systems have flaws, and it's all because of humans. And it's that immoral capitalism is just as bad as communism. It is. Yeah. Because if you get an evil right. corporation that's monopolistic and doesn't care about people, they're going to be just as oppressive as a communistic state that's the same way. So I think it comes down to you have to have some sort of moral code, whether it's religion. Uh, you know, obviously, religion's caused its, its own problems throughout history. But uh, I think you need at least some sort of unified code. And that's where I think the Constitution comes into play. And I think that's kind of the problem that we have in America. It's that either people don't know what our unified code is or they refuse to accept that as the unified yeah. code. Yeah. And if you don't have at least that kind of standard, it's like, okay, we can disagree on a bunch of all this other stuff, but we, we got the Constitution. Are we good on that? Yeah, okay. Then we can function because at least we have a foundation because most things that's can work. scary. Yeah. And that, that's scary, and I think that's what a lot of people don't like about it is it's super scary yeah. to not know and have that security because I have the security that when I go to the airport that I'll, uh, there's no terrorist that's going to fucking hurt me, supposedly. Mm -hmm. Um, but in order to get that, like, uh, you got to get rid of that, one of those 10 rules yep. in order to get that shit. Um, and, and people are afraid, like they're terrified of that freedom. Like, holy shit, I have to be responsible for my own safety. I have to be responsible for my own security, financial security, uh, actual security. Like I'm the one that has to provide, um, all of these resources or within my own little community. Uh, we have to provide all of those resources uh, for us. E even on a security side, like con the Constitution does not guarantee police departments. Mm -hmm. Like if we look at the Constitution, police departments are actually unconstitutional. Um, it's the sheriff, the one that, that is really constitutional because they get elected and all that shit. Mm -hmm. um, so even on the security side, we shouldn't have this much police presence on the streets. And you tell that to any conservative, it is like, oh, my God, you want to get rid of cops? Yeah, kind of police departments because they're not constitutional mm -hmm. um sheriff's departments like whatever like they're protected if i'm not mistaken constitutionally they're 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 there they're the, they're the ones that are supposed to be holding shit down um but people don't want to hear that stuff because it's scary it's super duper it's the boogeyman to talk about set, uh, accountability and and self-preservation mm -hmm. in that way night night train in the chat i think he's kind of where i used to be he was all in for the Patriot Act after 9-11, but then he saw how it was used as a weapon against normal Americans and saw how it happened. And I think that that's what happens with both sides of the aisle. You think that because your side may be virtuous or you believe that they're virtuous, like, well, if we run the country when this law is passed, we're going to use it right. And it's like, that's not the problem. The problem is you don't like that other side, do you? No, I don't like them. 
Well, what if they take power? Do you think that they're going to use that correctly? No, I don't. Then why would you give the option for them to have the power in the first place? It's like, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just have to say like, dude, I'm sorry. Sometimes you just have to leave it at, at, it's going to be more dangerous, but people can't have these powers. That's just the way that it is, man. And you're just going to have to deal with it. I get it. It's going to be less convenient that you don't have Big Daddy there watching over your over you all the time. And maybe maybe a lot of the times you might get through an entire lifetime where Big Daddy watching your back ended up with your life being better. That's a definite possibility. There were some benevolent kings that had great kingdoms, and the peasants were like, you know what? I'm a peasant, but my life is good right now. And then the other right. guy down the street is a tyrant. And they'll be like, this dude is terrible. But, you know, that's not what we believe in. I, I would rather believe in... I would rather not even have a benevolent tyrant, even if my life would be better. I'd rather have my own choice. That's just. The I don't think you're is. ever going to win that argument, though, no, with America. It's, it's human um, nature. It's human nature. It, it is human nature. Yeah. It, I mean, you can see that the politicians have capitalized on every major tragedy that has ever happened. Mm-hmm. After 9-11, we got the Patriot Act. After every school shooting, we got gun control passed. Uh, yeah. red flag laws right here in, in, after Parkland. Mm-hmm. So it's just psychology. I'm afraid of something to happen right here, even though statistically it will not happen to me. I'm now afraid of it because I'm seeing what happened. It's Therefore, mm-hmm. yeah, it is emotional. And the left and others play on that fear, yeah. on that psychology. Yeah. And and one of the things I talk to, to gun owners all the time is number one thing that suffers when you get emotional about shit is logic. Like all of your logic shit goes out the window. Like I, I lost uh, my auntie who who I was really close to to cancer, so it's very easy for me to get emotional and be like, all cancer patients should have free medicine for the rest of their fucking life, and uh, because it's an emotional thing for me. But that's not logical. Mm-hmm. It is not logical for me to believe that everybody should bear the burden for one person who gets sick. I love my auntie. I, I don't. Like, the connection we had, like, I basically grew up with her because, um, again, I, my parents had to go back to, to Mexico. So, Juarez, she was one of the ones that helped raise me uh, when I was down there. Uh, my parents were fucking poor. Like, like we lived in a fucking hut, essentially. Um, and they were relatively better established. So, we'd go over to her house and take showers and, and all that stuff. I hung around with my cousins. Uh, so, it's not a matter of me not loving my auntie. It's just, like... At the end of the day, I don't believe that the entire nation should bear the burden of taking care of one individual. Like as, as much as I love her, uh, the family should have probably, uh, which they did. Um, but I'm just talking in general. The pro- the family is the one that, that really should be responsible for taking care of that one individual. If they're the ones that are going to be out there, like oh, government should take care of this shit. Like no, like if you really want to get your cousins together. Uh, get the uncle together and like let's fucking pitch in and let's take care of this shit all of us together because financially speaking like you should have uh, a certain amount of aunts and uncles uh, cousins or whatever if, especially if you're Mexican uh, there's plenty of fucking cousins to go around to pitch in a hundred <laughs> bucks two hundred bucks and uh, let's take care of this shit itself. so I could get super emotional about that shit I could say my auntie died I don't want socialized medicine so that nobody has to feel my pain ever again. The reality is I'm never going to take that pain away from anybody because it's going to happen with socialized medicine or not. Like, logically, I understand that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think people just don't want to be logical. They want to be emotional. That's why people don't like uh, open borders is because they're emotional about it. Like, very rarely do I have a logical conversation with somebody who says, 
open borders are bad because it goes back to the emotional. Emotionally, they say, well, security. Like, prove to me where, how it, it affects your security on a logical level, not on the security. China. China. Again, China, China may be yeah. not believing in open borders, too. Again, they, they, uh, there's, they're, they're just such a bad actor in everything oh. that they make me believe, not believe in any of these things that I used yeah. to believe. Just because oh, they, they used, they used, they exploited anchor babies so badly oh, to yeah. get Chinese American citizens here in positions that they can go into companies. So that's why I'm almost like now, like they're such a bad faith person that they've made me stop believing in all these things. It's and so all of funny. that stuff. Yeah, but it's all emotional. Yeah. Well, that yeah, no, that, that was strategic. That wasn't emotional. That no, was no, no, no. I was for it until I was like, okay, they're taking advantage of us. They're undermining us in this situation, and we have no counter to it because they don't reciprocate. So it's not as if, well, the Chinese are doing this to us. Let's just do the same thing to them. It's like capitalism. It's like, well, you're getting your ass kicked. Well, just come up with a better product. It's like, no, I literally can't. Like, I can't send Americans there to immigrate to China to try to change their system. They don't allow it. So that's why right. I'm almost like. If there is no reciprocal, when you have bad faith actors, you almost can't do anything sometimes. Yeah. So uh, that's why you need strategic I, I, alliances. You just get all the West to go against China and you say, we have open borders or we have free trade, but the Chinese are not involved and they can go F themselves because they don't yeah. play by the rules. Correct. I, I think that that still plays on the emotional, though, mm -hmm. because like I have this conversation with Isaac all the, the time because he's now all on, on anti-China shit. Mm -hmm. he, he's on that shit right now. You and him would have a fucking fantastic conversation oh, about yeah. anti-China. Yeah. Oh, whole episode about fuck China. Uh, but it's still emotional because there's still no tangible proof that it, it is affecting me personally. Kind of like you mentioned about immigration, like it doesn't affect me personally. Mm -hmm. Whatever China is doing at this very moment, it doesn't affect me in any way, shape, or form. Um, if anything, it kind of benefits me because I get cheaper shit um, right now in, in the short term. Yeah. I'm talking about short term, not, not long term. Long term, I'm sure there's going to be a horrendous effect, um, just like the shutdowns. There's a horrendous uh, exactly. whatever. Mm -hmm. But in the immediate, there's no real proof other than emotional on why open borders um, are, are not are not a, a thing. I mean, it's super complex conversation. We're, we, of course. Um, well, it's yeah, like anything else. Can. It's like healthcare. It's like all that stuff. If it was that Correct. easy, somebody would have done it already. Correct. And you already see an example yeah. of it working. Perfectly. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. So. But it just like we get too emotional about shit, and it's just like we, we don't think about it about it logically, and then we never fix it. Because mm -hmm. no, then you're having an emotional conversation with people instead of a logical conversation. Again, it, it goes back to the difference between infighting and then just having a passionate conversation about real logical solutions to something, potential solutions. Yeah. Um, I mean, it just doesn't go anywhere. That's true. What do you guys think about the um, way back early on in the show? Uh, they brought up Johnny Rowland and the Hispanic Rifle Association. Apparently, there is one. I saw it. Uh, I actually saw Hispanic it. Hispanic or last... Latino Rifle Association? It's Hispanic Rifle Association. Okay, so then there's another one. There's another one called Latino Rifle Association. What's okay. their story? Yeah. Uh, super, super Marxist and, yeah. and, and super, yeah. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I think Hispanic rifle organization is definitely not Marxist. No, it's not. <laughs> I saw him speaking at GRPC Last 2019. Yeah. So, but I have not seen anything on uh, social media wise. I found their website. 
I can't tell if it's active, if they've got members, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You um, just need to reach out to them and see what the deal is. But do you think that something like that would help organize Latinos? Because, I mean, um, the African-American community has NAGA. I mean, we are capable of organizing, I swear. I mean, on my college <laughs> campus, we had Latino fraternities and sororities. We can do it. <laughs> Uh, no, absolutely we can. It's just, uh, again, it's the, the approach and the appeal is we have to change the image of the Second Amendment um, in, in the sense, I'm not saying change the values. A lot of people think that when I say change the image of it, it means change the values of it. Uh, like, I, I just think we, we have to reshape how the Second Amendment uh, approaches anything. Unfortunately, we'll never get rid of gatekeepers, so we, we at least have to influence these gatekeepers a little bit more effectively. Um, the problem with a lot of these Hispanics is they, they become sellouts, and a lot of these these people, because um, Mexicans, if you hang out with Mexicans, I, I can only speak for my people. Like, we, this, this is Mexico. <laughs> like, a bunch of fucking people who just talk shit, and they'll just give it to you straight. Uh, very few Mexicans will bite their tongues and, and not tell you exactly how, how they feel. Um, Arbureros, uh, like we just love to talk shit. Um, a, a lot of it is, is just based in, in, in our upbringing. And, uh, we, it, it's true when people say that we will find your weakness, the shit that you hate the most about yourself, that's your fucking nickname. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Like that, that is, My mom that, has always <laughs> told me about that. They, they, yeah. oh man, yep. Yeah, like if you hate being fat, hey, guess what your nickname is? Go to the. That, that's what they, oh, they, they, they basically like, she was like, oh, I hate my legs. So they called her like chicken legs or Gatista or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it just, that's, that's how, just it that's how Hispanics are. That's, that's how it is. Yeah. It, it's weird. It's crazy. Not, not getting that right now. I'll say all of that just to get to this point. Where I, I, I've never met this individual who you're talking about, uh, the Hispanic Rifle Association. But a lot of these people get in. And again, I did this in politics. I shut the fuck up. I did what the fuck I was told to do. Mm-hmm. And then I got like like maybe two years into it. That's all I lasted was two years. And that's when I was like, no, I can't do this. Like, that's not who I am. Um, that's why I'm never going to be invited to speak at GRPC. Never fucking be invited to speak at that shit. Because I'll jump on there and I'll fucking... The way I'm talking right now is the way I'll be talking at GRPC. I'll, like, for real, it's like, um, what is it? Super Troopers? Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool, fuck you. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's uncomfortable to be around somebody who, who will say that. Um, it's uncomfortable to be around that stuff. And I think, again, not knowing this individual, if they're truly Mexican um, or Hispanic, um, I think at some point, if they fell back, if they like, they're nowhere to be found anymore. I think a lot of it has to just, just be being jaded. Um, so we can't organize. What we can't do is conform. Mm-hmm. We suck at conforming. Um, as much as we like oppression, to on a large scale, um, we are nonconformist. Okay. Like it, it, it's true. like it. <laughs> Yeah, we were, we're simply nonconformists. Like you were talking about how when I was talking about in Mexico, you have a party till four in the morning. You don't give a fuck about what the neighbors think or anything like that. You're like, oh, that's Miami because mm-hmm. um, it, it's full of 
Hispanics. Like it's, it's full of people. Oh, just we, like, I'm just we got the it. neighbors downstairs. Like every day they're playing their salsa out there and they don't give a crap yeah. about who's listening to them. We don't care either. Cause we're like, they're Hispanic. I opened that's the window. I want to hear it too. <laughs> we're like, that's how Correct. it is. I'm like, Joe, it's your it, people down there. We got to hang out with them. <laughs> and, and, and that's just the way it, that's just the way it is. Yeah. And then we get included into these groups. And I think that's part of our downfall is you get into these yuppie, I guess, let's just say it the way it is, yuppie white people um, that have a stick up their ass that are just like, oh, I don't like that stuff. You're being too loud and you're being a little too obnoxious for me. And then you just don't get included. And, and, and it kind of throws us off a little bit. It's just like, no, you're going to have to include me whether you like it or not. Um, so we can organize it. We, we can I just think we, we have to be get get rid of that that mentality that we have to hide, mm-hmm. um, get rid of that that victim mentality as well, and then learn how to kind of wiggle ourselves into all of this shit without being the the conformist. Um, and maybe we'll find somebody that's okay with conforming, and, and they basically become that one person who's a fucking sellout that just gives us the voice, and then everybody else can do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. Um, I think uh, a lot of people are going to hate me for saying this, but I think Colian Nord did that for for the black community, mm-hmm. where he was kind of looked at as the the sellout that, that just fucking did whatever the NRA wanted him to do. But that that opened the doors for Maj, and that opened the doors for for Kevin Dixie and, and Tony, and and a lot of these people were already working way before Colian Nord even existed, mm-hmm. like way before Colian. Well, but nobody that, really seen have to have that, that person until, to. To use the term that the, that they like to use to break the glass ceiling or whatever it is, correct. You know, to, to be the pioneer. But a lot of people look at Colyon as a sellout, like he's not truly pro two A, and he doesn't really uh, like. I got a lot of uh, friends that that don't like him in any way, shape, or form because they see him that way because they associate him with the NRA, kind of like mm-hmm. uh, a pro Trump Latino or Mexican. You're going to see him like, oh fuck that guy. To a large extent, because he's associated with one particular person, not understanding what what they are entirely. Yeah. Well, uh, but again, I that think, individual... I think you get pulled in without knowing. Like I think. Correct. I think Coleone, if you look at his content that he's created before and after the NRA, I think he was pretty consistently pro two A, and I think he came into the evolution of. I mean, I, I'm I'm making assumptions because I'm kind of talking <laughs> the way that I would. Just coming in from a millennial perspective, like we always thought that the NRA was okay. Like that was the pro two gun. That was the pro two a organization. So I know I can speak for myself that kind of going in, I was already on the bad list for being into guns. So who cares if I like the NRA because I'm already one of the bad guys anyway, just by owning a gun in the first place. So you go in, well, the NRA must be where all us gun people hang out. So Coleon probably yeah. did that, and he's like, "Yeah, the NRA. They want me to work for them. Cool. Like they're the, they're the big pro gun rights group. Like right. why wouldn't I work Correct. for them?" And then yeah, I don't know. I don't know so, him in any way, shape, or form. I just know that's the the conversation that yeah. I have with a lot of people. Are he's a fucking. I I, I can only like, say I, that his content yeah. that he's created after the NRA is very very pro Second Amendment and borderline. At least he seems to come off as an absolutist. So I can only yeah. speak against by by his actions, you know. Correct. If, and, if behind private think, doors he says that he doesn't believe in ARs, I'd be like, well, that's crazy because he owns correct. so many. But uh, you know, and, and I think I see positive I, stuff. I hate to say that maybe we need somebody like that. Yeah. On the Hispanic side, who who is the sellout? Yeah. And we'll talk shit about him for being a fucking sellout, but it's somebody that and and again, it's going to be really hard to find somebody who's truly Hispanic. 
Because here's the other fucked up thing. I, I talk about not dividing people, but I do that shit all the time. This is just keeping myself accountable. I don't like it when a Ted Cruz says he's Hispanic because, motherfucker, you don't even speak Spanish. Like, we have to send your dad out to speak Spanish for you. Uh, so a lot of Mexicans and a lot of uh, Cubans, like, don't really connect with them because it's just like, hey, let's speak Spanish. You're like, I don't know. I've never had arroz con pollo. Like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, it's barbecue, Texas barbecue for me all day long. There's like, oh, we can't connect. Like, it's, it's really difficult to connect with a Hispanic that's not, that doesn't really share in your culture. Um, and there's a lot of Hispanics like that in the gun community where it's just like, I'm, I'm here, I'm Hispanic. Like, yeah, dude, but are you, are you like good? Great. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, well, you talk white. Like, cause I'm, I'm not going to say that. Um, I, I used to believe that, but at the same time, you don't share in my culture. Like you don't really share in my pain. So therefore you can't really represent me because you don't really share in what the fuck I'm talking about. Cause I only see you hanging out with. Wayne LaPierre. I only see you hanging out with with Ted Nugent. I only see you hanging out with Trump. I, I, I never see you hanging out uh, with whatever, Trejo, or, or I don't see you hanging out with Rafael Inclán or, or, or fucking, yeah. uh, like, I don't see you hanging out with Mexican or Puerto Ricans. Mm -hmm. or, uh, you're not going to go listen to salsa and, and any of that shit. Like, you're not going to do that. I had an interview with uh, Anna Paulina Luna when I met her at SHOT Show. And I don't remember if this was on camera or off camera because I, I hate looking at stuff of myself. <laughs> like, I can't watch. I can't go back and watch stuff. I'm just like, it's cringy. <laughs> so I can't remember if it was on, on interview or not. But she opened up and uh, she was really cool. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about her in terms of, like, whether she's going to be a good politician or not. Um, but when I met her, she was pretty down to earth. And she opened yeah. up about... I think this was off camera. She opened up about the struggle of the pressure of identifying as Latina um, when she didn't speak Spanish and she's half yeah. Latina. She's half, I think she's Mexican. Yeah, half Mexican, uh, half white, I think is what she Yeah, said. but she grew yeah. up with her white dad, so she didn't really feel connected, but she felt pressured. Um, to identify that way. To, yeah. to identify that way, yeah. and she definitely got called out on it a lot. Yeah. Um, so that does suck. I, I could see that perspective as well. Yeah. But, um, but this is somebody who's struggling is like, I don't identify with you. And, and, and to a certain degree, I can't speak for her because I don't know her. But maybe she doesn't want to identify that way. Maybe she's just content with being the, the white lady who has a, a Mexican last name. And because well, I meet a lot of people like that, like I have a Mexican last name, but I don't identify as Mexican. Well, and, I and I think and I think that's another thing that kind of makes us unique is I think Hispanics are a complicated constituency. <laughs> Because we also have so many people that are mixed race within the Hispanic community. So it's almost like mixed race is its own other third tier beyond like any of the other races that's not, right. not even represented sometimes. And sometimes mixed race people are looked down upon by everybody else. Correct. And they feel, uh, you know, mis un unrepresented or like outcasted. So I yeah. think sometimes again, that happens I, I, with the Hispanics because we get Native American, especially Caribbean, like Puerto Rican. You probably have some Native American, white, uh, white European, and black mixed in with you, or Dominican or Cuban, like for sure. And Mexican, you're gonna have a lot of that for sure. You're gonna have Spanish and Native American for sure, most likely. So. Yeah, and again, I'm guilty of this all the time. Like I find myself, and there's a lot of times where I kind of feel like an asshole about it, and there's times where I don't, I don't care how anybody perceives it. 
but there's times where people are like, oh, I'm Mexican. I'm like, okay, are you real Mexican or are you fake Mexican? Like, like you got to tell me. Yeah. And then there's a lot of times like, what the fuck does that even mean? Like, it's just like, what am I asking here? Like, what am I really asking here? And what I'm really asking is, do you speak Spanish or do you not speak Spanish? Yeah. That's ultimately what I'm asking for. Um, and I think that's a problem as well. It, it's just, um, we do see that representation there, but it, it's just like, there's no connection there. They're, they're just like, I can't, I can't listen to Salino, uh, Chalino Sanchez with you and, and, and talk about fucked up, corrupt Mexico and, and, and my cousin in Mexico and, and how I grew up in, in Mexico. And I went to, to Mexico every single summer and uh, I can't talk to you about El Zócalo and I can't talk to you about La Casa Azul. I can't talk to you about Los Tarumaras and I can't talk to you about that stuff. Like we're going to talk about Texan barbecue and it's just like, I, I can do that with somebody else. <laughs> so yeah. I, I think that's, that's a problem as well. Yeah. And, and the other thing is we're just so like you were talking about, it's just, we're, we're also so spread out. Um, like you have a pocket of, of Hispanics here in, in Colorado that, uh, there's a guy in, in New York, um, Latino Armado, I believe is mm-hmm. his, his yeah, we know handle. Yeah, we met him. Yeah. So it's just like, it's going to be really hard for the people in Colorado to reach out to him. He's probably the only fucker in Bronx. Is he in Bronx or Brooklyn? Yeah, I, he's in New York yeah. State uh, somewhere. Yeah, in the city. Yeah. Somewhere in the city. He's one. Of the, I want to say he's in the Bronx. Yeah. And yeah, he's in one of the boroughs. And either way, like, it's going to be really hard for him to connect with any other Mexican that, that's around him because he's probably the only Mexican or two um within those boroughs that, that that shoots guns and shit like that so it's really hard to connect so we can it's just we're just pretty spread out um just because of geography uh, alone and but we can I, I think it's just talking about it more that's why i started the podcast that i started um in spanish the yeah two a two a in espanol uh where we talk to these people and it's hard to get people in, in, in spanish to kind of talk about this stuff uh, but that's why it was important for me to start doing it because I was ignoring it. I was ignoring that side of it. Ten years into it, ignoring that shit. And then it, it kind of dawned on me, like, well, I'm a fucking idiot. Like, I speak Spanish, but what the fuck am I waiting for? How about I, I do it myself? So that's kind of our, our, our downfall as well is, is sometimes we want somebody else to do it instead of like, well, fucking, I'm, I'm, I'm it. Yeah. It's just, and I, that's, I know that's kind of how we got started. Uh, you know, we were... Yeah. We you know we went to the two A rally, ch- kind of just to go as like general two A, and uh, you know we saw you there. We knew we knew a little bit about you beforehand, but the more that we started speaking to people, the more that we started interacting with, like I said, without a better way to say it, the black gun community. Yeah, they were kind of like, yo, like maybe you guys just need to do it, and we're like, that's never what we wanted to do, and and uh, you know. Uh, but I think that if that's the mantle that would would eventually get thrust upon us, I guess we would take it at this point. But that was never our our goal. Like I want to be the Hispanic Coleone, or I want to be. Oh hell like, no! Like anybody. If anything like that. that sounds it sounds like it sounds like um, it would be terrible. <laughs> like living every yeah. day and dealing with that stuff. But but uh, but if if for whatever reason, like people are like we like your voice, or people just start following us for whatever reason, yeah. and we wake up one day and it's like oh crap, there's like. 100,000 people following us and they care about what we say from a Hispanic perspective right. and it'll be like well shit then I guess we'll do it but um, but now it's more like trying to get other people to come out and say like 
it's not even necessarily about Hispanic. It's a multiple. It's a combination of things. Right. It's we're a Hispanic couple, but we're also a couple. We're a married couple that does this together. Yeah. We're also millennials. Millennials are, have their own stigma of being anti-gun. So it's almost a combination of things that we want to show people that you can, you know, do do stuff about this. G Webs just said, yeah. "How cool is it that a big part of the people in this chat on and off are uh, were all in DC about a year ago?" I think it's awesome. Yeah, I think it's great. And I think that we did make headway. Like I said, if, if people want to be happy about the rally last year, we're a result of the rally last year. So if you want to right. see if you think that we're good or you like what we do, then that's some of the good that came out of the rally. I think that there are probably a lot of other people that may have been inspired that maybe went to their own state rallies. I know that there's a lot of guys that went there and they started their own groups in different states and things like that. Not just us. So I think I think it was good. Uh, and I think it could, it could make a difference, and I, and I hope it does. Obviously, yeah. That it, again, I, I'm not a, a big fan of, of rallies overall, but I mean, when this one came about, it's just like oh, it, it, it sounds different. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it has a different vibe to it, and I think that's the importance of this podcast. Is just like a, there's a different vibe to it because there's a shit ton of people doing podcasts, um, and it, it, it's. Usually we say all of the same shit when it comes to the guns because there's only so much you can say, yeah. but it, it's it's from again a different perspective. There there's Argentinians uh, Argentinians making podcasts, but they're in Spanish and they're only focused in Argentina. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's again uh, people in Mexico doing it, but it's only focused in Mexico, so they're only talking about it from that perspective. Um, but yeah, in the U.S., there's really not a whole lot going on. Um, in, in terms of, of this, and uh, I think at some point you guys will be the, the one. I mean, I'm already seeing it. You guys get invited to a lot more places than I do, um, <laughs> uh, like a fuck ton more places. So you guys are already getting out there, um, which is a good thing. One of these days you're going to uh, be like, what the fuck did I do? Um, and and it sucks, but at the end of the day, it's just like that's, that's ultimately what you want. Um, to get to that point, because if you if you if you really want to know how how we truly do it is like this is it like we're we're doing it right now. It doesn't seem significant right now because we don't have the reach because politics ignores us, uh, the media ignores us. Like we, we're we're the forgotten brown people, mm-hmm. um, and, and and we're arguably one of the communities that built this fucking country. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's many other communities that did it as well, uh, but we're, we're forgotten right now. But eventually, I mean, as it grows and as people kind of grow up here and, and we have to be vocal about it, we're like, hey, just fucking grow up here. Like, if you're truly, really Hispanic and, and you got that fighter warrior blood in you, um, Mayan blood or, or whatever, mm-hmm. um, it's like, we, we just got to fucking do this shit. Like, we just got to, they say nut up or shut up in, in English. Uh, in Mexico, it's amarrate los huevos. And, uh, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> That's true. We just got to do this shit. So. Awesome. I mean, I guess we're doing what, what, what you want to happen. That's true. I will fade out eventually, but yeah. yeah. That's true. All right, Joe. So, I think this is a good uh... point for us to segue to <laughs> Section 2 of the 14th Amendment. Since the 14th Amendment is so long, we've had to split it up into multiple... That's crazy that how long it is. Yeah, and, and then of course since it's like technical Spanish or old school Spanish, sometimes it's really hard for for even somebody as fluent as Joe 
uh, to read me. Is it, isn't that what comes from your country, though, Colombia? I always say Mexican, and we have the, 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 the cheap Spanish, the, the, the Espanol chafa. You're forgetting my other half. It's I'm Dominican. Dominican. We have that's just really bad, bad, bad Spanish. Yeah, that is pretty bad Spanish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Dominicans. But in Colombia, you guys do have more of the old school. Oh, my um, mom is hardcore. Um, she makes fun of my dad. Like, I can't go a day without my mom making fun. He's just saying a statement. What time it is? Yeah. She she can't let it slide. Where's the S? <laughs> Where's the S? Did you say an S? No. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, because you guys are like the boss, boss, and all that. Yeah. yeah. This sucks. <laughs> all right. Here you go. Oh, wait, you got you got to read it in English. Yeah, first, you're right. Man. I do have to read it in English. This is 14th Amendment, Section 2. Let's break out the cop pocket constitution. Ta -ta -ta. Bear with me here for one moment. Section 2 of the 14th Amendment. Now we're doing... I gotta make sure I show the screen for all the people watching it live. Section 2. Representatives shall be apportioned among the several states according to their respective numbers, counting the whole number of persons in each state's Excluding Indians, not taxed. Ooh, there we go. Politically incorrect. But when, but when the right to vote at any election for the for the choice of electors for president and vice president of the United States, representatives in Congress, the executive and judicial officers of a state or the members of the legislation, legislature thereof is denied to any of the male inhabitants of such a state being 21 years of age has changed and citizens of the United States or in any way abridged except for participation in rebellion or other crime. The basis of representation therein shall be reduced in the poor proportion, which the number of such male citizens shall bear to the whole number of male citizens, 21 years of age in such state, even in English, it's a, it's a mouthful. So in Spanish, I can understand that it will be uh, crazy. So go for it, my love. Oh, hold on a second. I, just, <laughs> I had it, and then it just, like, disappeared. Uh, is this the right one? Yes. Enmienda número 14, sección 2. Los representantes se distribuirán proporcionalmente entre los diversos estados de acuerdo con su respectiva población, en la que se tomará en cuenta el número total de personas en cada estado, con excepción de los indígenas, sí, much more politically correct, <laughs> que, no, <laughs> que no paguen impuestos. Pero cuando el derecho a votar en elección alguna para escoger los electores para presidente y vicepresidente de los Estados Unidos, a los representantes del Congreso, a los funcionarios ejecutivos y judiciales de los estados o a los miembros de su legistra, legi, bla, 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 legislatura, es negado a cualquiera de los habitantes varones de dicho estado que tengan 21 años de edad y sean ciudadanos de los Estados Unidos o de cualquier manera disminuida, excepto con motivo de su participación en una re re rebelión o en algún otro delito, la base de la representación de dicho estado se re reduciría en la misma proporción que el número de dichos ciudadanos varones tengan con el número total de Ciudadanos varones de 21 años en ese estado. Listen, the Constitution had a, a real problem with, uh, well, the Bill of Rights has a real problem with run-on sentences. That is my big deal with this. I can't catch a break. That's the way that it was written back then. So it's it can be a little bit complex, but you just got to look into it. 
So, yeah, that's one of the things that we like to do, Edgar, just to throw that out there for people that uh, obviously if we want more people in our community to understand the Constitution, sometimes you just got to teach it to them in their language. And that's the way that they'll learn it. So that's something that we've wanted. To I personally think this. It's basically here for the pleasure of, of our audience to watch me struggle through every. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, it's the fan favorite just for that. But hopefully somebody will look back upon it and they'll be like, hey, you know, those locked and loaded Latinos, they did all the amendments of the Constitution in Spanish and in English. You should check it out. So, yeah, yeah, so hopefully I'm probably so. just going to take your videos and just steal that. That's clip. what you got to do. You got to <laughs> just Spanish cut the clip out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we want to do we want to do more stuff like that, like the four universal rules of gun safety and all that stuff in Spanish and and basic things like that. So we just haven't had the time. Oh, you guys it. just had Picas on. He he has a very interesting concept on the, the four universal rules on, on gun safety. Really? What are they? Do you agree or disagree, or is it just something different? I think the the uh, the ironic thing is that Pincus and I uh, philosophically probably agree on on a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of training, yeah. in terms of training, like, like I, I, uh, I was about to say some shit that I can't say right now, <laughs> uh, it's a super secret uh, at, at the very moment, but, um, bottom line is on the training side of it. Yeah, I, I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that stuff. So, uh, it'd be interesting to get him on, learn that stuff, or at least ask him about his, his view on the, the rules. Mm -hmm. Um, and then duplicate that in Spanish because it, it, it's it's I think it is a better way of, of teaching it, mm -hmm. um, and it's not not so antiquated. I think a lot of us are just used to the antiquated version of it, which is still fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with them, um, but it, it's just an interesting point of view. Cool. Yeah, we'll check that yeah. out sometime. But uh, all right, I think that's pretty much the end of the show, Joe. What nice. do you think? We went, so. we went almost three hours. Edgar, thank you so much. It was, I thought Edgar, it was a great This has awesome been the longest show. It's our yes. longest episode. <laughs> you I want did, to you feel honored. You broke the record. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, and I think I everybody liked it. never gets broken. Yeah, the chat, the chat was pretty active the whole time, so I think they enjoyed it, too. I, uh, so let us know, chat. If you enjoyed that conversation, uh, next week we don't have any guests slated so far, but things can change. I know that we were actually speaking to a gentleman. He started Icon Firearms. He's actually a Colombian immigrant, uh, moved to the United States, became a lawyer, I believe, and started Icon Firearms. Their claim to fame seems to be that he makes custom Galils, which is pretty badass because there's not really many people that make Galils. So check out him out on Instagram. We've been talking to him, so maybe we'll have him on next week or sometime soon because his story seems really awesome. And that's the kind of story that we want to showcase. I think that that kind of hits all of the American dream. He was an immigrant, started a gun company. All that stuff sounds like an awesome story. So maybe we'll have him on uh, next week or the week after. In any case, 2A Rally is next Saturday. So I would encourage all of you to watch, support the event. Uh, Edgar was part of it last year. Uh, I'm pretty sure that I can give that we can give credit to Edgar for us being on it this year because he was very vocal about, uh, about recommending us uh, publicly. So we appreciate that too, Edgar. Uh, I'm pretty sure that that's how they we got on their radar and and got there so check out the 2a rally tony's going to be on there he's in the chat uh we're going to be on there ronda mary you guys have seen her before on the show she's going to be there katie's going to be there argo j you've seen him on the show before uh so a lot of our friends there uh obviously rob was here last week he's one of the organizers so he'll be on there so come and support uh 
uh, Second Amendment. Check it out. Maybe you'll be inspired. Maybe you'll find some new people there that will uh, create the next generation of advocates. So that'll be awesome. Check it out next week. If you want more information, we'll all be posting about it throughout the week when we have uh, everything's finalized. So Edgar, thank you again so much for being on. Uh, I definitely love to be on your show if I can stay awake sometime because I think you and Chase are awesome. Uh, Isaac are awesome. And I love hanging out in your chat when I'm awake. <laughs> so. yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for the invite. Thanks for having me. And I super duper appreciate that this is the longest podcast you guys have had. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So, All right. You got any last words, my love? Uh, there was a question in the chat. Go for it. Um, Go for it. Kermit loves bacon. Says Edgar, do you get a lot of views on your Spanish two A channel? I was wondering the same. I think you just yeah, started. I'm on. I'm on my second episode, so no, not at the moment. Okay. Um, I think I'm getting a lot more response on social media, mm -hmm. just from posting about it. But actually, in the chat, I'm sorry, on YouTube, not not really, because um, again, I'm only on episode two. I skipped this week. Um, and and I'm gonna do it again this week, but no. Short answer is no, not at the moment. Well, with that being said, any Spanish-speaking uh, buddy out there who watches this show, go check it out. Mm -hmm. Edgar Antillon, A N T I L L O N. That's his channel. That's his name, and that's his channel. Yes. Um, and then uh, tell us a little bit about your podcast. When does it come on? When can people catch it? Which one? Uh, your your main, uh, I guess both of them. The, the main one. Yeah, but your oh, main the, one. the Say I Won't. Yes. Uh, the Say I Won't podcast comes on. Right now, they're, they're uh, Mondays at 8 p.m. Mountain, uh, Mountain Time. 8 p.m. Mountain Time. So it makes it a little difficult for you East Coast uh, fools um, <laughs> to, to jump on. Um, so I get it. But 8 p.m. And it's not a two-way podcast. We do talk about guns, but it's been a, we talk about a lot of stuff. We, we, we talk about uh, a lot of weird shit. Um, Isaac goes down that but, conspiracy path, man. I love it. <laughs> yeah, he, he goes down that conspiracy path. Um, talking about my life and who I am in, in general brings up a lot of conversation as well. My parenting styles, my relationship with my wife and, and, and all that stuff. Like it brings up a lot of conversation. So we talk about live parenting. We talk about all of that stuff. So again, that's Mondays. It's on my channel. It's on the gun expert channel as well. And, and the Facebook page as well. So yeah, Mondays, 8 PM awesome. for now. <laughs> awesome. Well, Hey, thanks a lot, everyone for joining us. The chat, you guys are great. You're uh, what makes the show worthwhile. We really appreciate having you guys on here every week. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Like I said, we're not sure if we're going to have our guest, a guest, but it's going to be our Halloween episode. So we will definitely not be, uh, we'll definitely be dressed up. So that should be fun. <laughs> so, so come and join us. It should be a good time and watch the two A rally on Saturday. We'll be recapping it on Sunday and see what we think and, and critiquing ourselves. <laughs> Uh, most likely. So thanks a lot, everyone. I'm already critiquing myself. Oh, good night, everybody. <laughs> Have a good night, everyone. Thanks so much. Take care, Edgar. Thanks a lot.